So, Finn. Yep. Earlier, you. Would you call yourself a man or a boy? <sighs> I'd probably go with man at this point. To me, you are a, a man. 23, 24? Yeah. It does, it one of those two. You, Most of the time, I can't remember. Yeah, you feed yourself, you clothe yourself. You engage with society, right? On society's terms uh, and uh, sometimes uh, your own. Uh, arguably. Yeah. Um, you, and yet, <laughs> you just, just as we were setting up these old uh, microphones. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh no, that's uh, going to be a good one. As we were setting up these microphones. You said to me that you had considered converting to decimal time. Um, metric time, yeah. Metric, okay. First, what? Second, how? Third, I mean, how dare you? So it, it's it's pretty much what it sounds like. <laughs> this is it, it's it's been a few years since since I was like really like think, thinking hard about about going to metric time. Metric time was like first and like only ever instituted in like post revolution France. <laughs> when they were just like, we have to destroy like every single example of the old order, yeah. and like we are, we are like everything about the order is now like going to be totally rational and scientific, and and like that, that's when like France started using the, the metric system for like measurements and stuff. And uh, that's who exactly the period of history known as the Reign of Terror. That's how you want to map your clock. Look, making. this is like just slightly before the Reign of Terror. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> We're only slightly before the Reign of Terror. Yeah. This is like when Rose, when everyone's like, oh, that Rose Pierre, more. Before everyone's like, oh, that Rose Pierre, ow, 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 my neck. <laughs> what I mean, is, so an hour has a hundred minutes. And a day has a hundred hours, uh, I, I, and a I, month has a hundred days, so I, I, and a I'm, year has a hundred months. So I, I'm pretty sure an hour has a hundred minutes, but an, an, a day has ten hours. I mean, yeah, I think there's like there's like yeah. ten months in a year, and okay. like ten days in a week. But months are based on lunar cycles. Yeah, but they don't have to be though. I mean, but it's bit like a, it's mm. smartest. Or, or is that is that just what is that just what Louis the Sixteenth has told you? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Famous nefarious horologist Louis the Sixteenth, mind freaking me. Yeah, maybe like every day when you look at your calendar, there's just Marie Antoinette in the back of your mind, just saying, "Let them eat moon cheese. Let them eat moon cheese." Um, there, uh... That's what she sounded like, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah. We've all seen the documentary. Yeah. Um, by uh, the baby from Godfather Part Three. Um, that is, did you recently see the tweet that went around, like, who is an actor who the moment you saw them, they, you knew they'd be a star? And because Sophia Coppola is the baby at the end of The Godfather, I really wanted to right. use an image of that, but I also did not want to tweet an image of a nude child. Um, Good choice. There was one time many years ago when I was getting all of my, like, Ben Folds albums, when I was getting oh, yeah. really into Ben Folds, yeah. there, there was one album I couldn't find anywhere, and it was like a it was, uh, uh, it was like an album of, like, demos and outtakes and live tracks, and this album was called Naked Baby Photos, because, like, the idea was like, oh, this is us when we were, like, young and embarrassing, we hadn't figured it out oh, yet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so I, I couldn't find the CD anywhere, so I, I went I, so I went online to try and find the CD, <laughs> and so I ended up typing into, into Pirate Bay the name Naked baby photos and as soon as it was like oh no that's definitely going to be used against me in court one day but also like you are gen all of your data from that point on is now in a prism server you oh, know yeah like, ab absolutely like i know i i have made several quite political shows and i lived with in a flat once that was full of members of the workers party and i'm like <laughs> 
That means that probably, you know, I don't think they're watching me closely, but daily they kind of, they check like, oh, he watched two more episodes of Death Note today. I hope he's okay. What else did he do that day? Oh, he, we can hear he told his girlfriend he was writing, that he was in fact just, oh, for an hour it seemed like he lay motionless on his bed, face into the pillows pretending he was skydiving. <laughs> A genuine thing I genuinely do. To relieve stress, I, oh. I recommend it. Did you see the tweet I did the, the other day about lying on the floor? Yes, I, yeah. I did. Uh, perform it for us now. <laughs> yeah, um, no, it, it, was, it was it was something along the lines of uh, uh, lying face down on the floor of your own room in a, in a performative display of sadness is never quite as satisfying as you think it will be. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, I relate to that incredibly. I wish I had enough floor space to do that. <laughs> So I st- stick to that. But no, pretending you're skydiving, it's actually... Uh, you, you like put a fan below your face? No, you, it's, it's, just put, like, it's just like face purely down. like the power of the, the mind? Yeah. yeah oh, okay, yeah. I can't do it. You can do that. You've got a mind. Mm. Okay, so Finn. Yes. When you think of me, I know you think I'm many things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a horologist. <laughs> uh, I'm a man about town. Mm-hmm. I'm a gadfly. I'm... Editor uh, at large. At Pub- several... Public transport user. Oh, a bloody lo- my hop card. It's on three figures right now. <laughs> That's right. Um, it's the biggest display of wealth an artist can do. <laughs> the fact that my hop card doesn't say "Please check your balance" when I tag on. Um, but I think if I'm known for one thing, is I am a setter of fashion. I'm a clothes horse. Yep. The the looks that I do are renowned across the world. They're all toots. Some of them shoots, <laughs> even. And I've been thinking recently that the kind of current aesthetic that I've been doing recently for the past 32 years, which is of kind of like a puffy blonde Jack Black uh had sex with a decomposing corpse yeah no no i i I see that um and i decided that i've just got too much hair okay and i feel like my very pale skin isn't pale enough so finn i've I've asked you to come here i so my next look i think i'm gonna remove all of my hair okay you 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 did just have like a big haircut recently yeah you're gonna you're gonna go even further oh yeah it's well you recently um you know the person i'm looking at is 20 minutes with some scissors away from travis oh okay so (laughs) so, so, it's like here's 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 the thing Here's not long enough to make it to do the travis bickle mohawk yet just get some horse i did have the travis bickle mohawk for a year you did it's all I see when I look at you. You oh, know, we yeah. never really look at each other. Okay. We only see our Okay, so here's the thing. It wasn't actually Travis Bickle. It was it was a Joe Strummer, but Joe Strummer based his mohawk off of Travis Bickle. Oh. So it's, I guess in, in, in a certain sense, it was a Travis Bickle, but it's mainly a Joe Strummer. Isn't it interesting that Travis Bickle lived longer than Joe Strummer? Uh, I mean, it makes, makes me kind of sad because I love Joe Strummer a lot. You don't love... Travis Bickle, <laughs> taxi driver. You just complimented me by calling me a public transport user. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm you know, t- taxis are not public transport. They're, they're private industry and they're disgusting. But they're they're transport that you can do in public. Are yeah. the inside of the car are inside cars private? Like by law? 
not I, like I, I I wouldn't know. I'm not. That's not me accidentally <laughs> just like realizing that you know I've been driving around totally naked, thinking people can't see me, and just when someone is like, I've got children in here, and I just like flip the bird and say I'm private anyway. So I have been thinking, what do you think of this as an aesthetic going forward? Obviously, I'm going to wear all black. Okay. Uh, I mean, like, I, I already do that, so yeah. I'm, I'm probably anyone else doing that. Um, I wear black on the outside because black is what I feel on the inside. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to remove all of my hair. Mm-hmm. And I'm, the eyebrows? Keeping keep on? I gone. think I will put white makeup over my eyebrows okay. and over all of my face. And then that's going to be my new look. Uh, I'm going to hold a scythe. <laughs> and so I've thought, like, you're a bit of a cineast, a bit of a yeah. filmist. I've, I've watched a couple films. You've motioned those damn pictures, mm. um, <laughs> digested them right up. Are there two examples of this look in cinema? You know what? Thinking about it now, <laughs> I think... So uh, there's uh, 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 there's a TV show called The Young Ones. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, and on the episode Nasty, uh, right at the beginning, yeah. there's a yeah. sort of a framing segment where a man plays chess with the Grim Reaper. That's good. Are there any films like that where a man plays chess with the Grim Reaper, other than obviously the filmed version of my favourite musical, Chess? <laughs> It's it's just one where, where one night in Bangkok makes a proud man humble. Yeah, it is. yeah, that's correct. Yeah, whenever I just hear the name of a musical chess, I always think about the bad guy from the uh, failed TV show The Cape, who was also called Chess. Uh, uh, I mean, obviously, and he he was a serial killer uh, who liked chess. Yeah, and he was called Chess. Mm. But none of his murders had anything to do with chess. Yeah. He he played chess with his victims before he killed them. Oh, yeah. And then all the chess stuff was gone by the time the police got there. But they knew he was called chess as well. But, so he didn't like gouge out their eyes with bishops. No, no, he just played chess with them. Mm. And then he'd kill them and then the chess oh, stuff would go. Would he kill them if they lost? No, I think he'd just kill them anyway. Oh. It's been a long time since I've watched The Cape. That... All I remember is that Keith David is hemming it the fuck up in that show. I mean, why wouldn't you? No, look, Keith David's having a great time on the Cape. No one else was. So I've just Googled and I've discovered there's a film out there by. That's, that's not really true. It's... What just. In, in, past, in past episodes, you, you've just called me up for, for, for dissembling. And, <laughs> dissembling. You know, I'm, I'm not, not going to. Not going to let stand when he does it. He doesn't have a phone. He hasn't been Googling. Yes. <laughs> He actually has to keep his phone far away from the table because always there's uh, very bad interference. Yeah, as as uh, as the listeners of episode <laughs> three, four, and maybe five know, uh, good content though. Check out Ali Fear It's the Soul. Anyway, I believe there is a film, uh, a classic film that many people love that explores mortality and kind of shows a path forward for toxic masculinity. Mm. Uh, I'm of course talking about Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Yeah, one of the masterpieces of world cinema. And there is a lesser known, somewhat obscure film, you won't have heard of it as a film student. Uh, It's called The Seventh Seal. And it's not an animated film about, like, it's not a Pixar adaptation of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, but with seals. Okay, because I I was going to ask if it was, like, the sequel to the movie Slappy and the Stinkers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, we should watch them. 
So that's my intro. <laughs> that's my intro for this. Uh, what? What did you, out of ten? Uh, uh, seven oh, seals. Cool. You know what, Yuva? That intro was totally bodacious. <laughs> Stellar. <laughs> um, I love to play the game where you know we're talking about a good film and a bad film, and oh, uh, I thought you were talking about about like put, putting on a big hat and going to hit on women. <laughs> <laughs> the game. <laughs> I like. I like to play a game. Uh, I lock people in a room and secrete knives in there, and only one person may leave. Um, but okay, just like I gotta say, you you, you do pronounce words sec- like secret weird, and so like it sounded like you were like like knives were oozing out of your skin rather than you hid them. Uh, no, I, that's all. That's all you're trying to say. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, is that? Um, that's what. That's what you do. You, <laughs> yeah, okay, just, I'm not okay. Finn's being a little weird, but who hasn't locked two people in a room and then just urged your paws to squeeze out some of them that nice cutty steel? Uh, no, but anyway, okay. on top of all of that, I just want to emphasize that I'm not playing a gag when I say that of these two films, Bill and Ted is better. Yeah, this is gonna. This might be a controversial opinion. I mean, let's hope. Let's hope. Yeah, if like, you think this opinion is controversial, don't listen past this point. Just please angrily tweet or um, well, no, Facebook no. No, about if, this podcast. If, 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 if you have a problem with the fact that we think Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey uh, is a better movie than The Seventh Seal, yeah. uh, go watch both of those movies back to back. Yeah, it was... I just still feel... <laughs> I can't believe what I'm about to say. <laughs> But I'm just still on a bit of a euphoric high from watching Bill and Ted's <laughs> Bogus Journey, the second William and Theodore film. But anyway. I think I might do my intro now. Okay. Let's cool. see how that goes. That's right. Can I try? Can oh, I, yeah. Are you, do you feel comfortable enough that I could start like hazing you a little during the play? What if, if I just chopped you? <laughs> just. Well, just every time I, said, I asked to do an intro, you're like, No. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Shine and Sound, the podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I mean, followed up by a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. The cinema still actually got bad reviews on its initial release in Sweden. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors, or director. We want to see if counterpoint of these two films can bring out some new information or insights. This week we're watching number 93 on the side and sound list, The Seventh Seal. Ingmar Bergman's story of a medieval knight coming face to face with death and grappling with his waning faith in God. Our second film this week is Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. The film this is, sure, The Seventh Seal is a landmark of Swedish cinema and probably the defining film of Ingmar Bergman's career, but what if they had robots and guitar solos? And you know what? Both of those are needed improvements. Can you imagine if the seventh seal had two Martians that <laughs> do a dance and merge into one Martian? And, and, then, and then turn out to be the world's greatest inventor. <laughs> the universes, I believe. Because, uh, oh man. Okay, but first, oh, this is a moment of celebration because this is number 93. And yes. we are actually at. <laughs> 93. This, this, we are this is the final leaving. of the eight 93s that we've gone through so far. So at the end of this, we should go through and rank what are our top 93 
of the 93 or something like that. So tune, uh, please keep listening to what I presume is, oh, a four hour long podcast. (laughs) Um, Maybe, uh, but let's start. So Ingmar Bergman, ever heard of him? Yeah, he made movies. Yeah. I've seen Winterlight, which is sad, yeah. um, uh, which is remade as First Reformed, a better movie that I like more. Yeah, uh, yeah it's like American remakes of Ingmar Bergman movies, just real good. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I have you know, I, seen Summer of Monica, which is uh, another sad movie. Yeah, I, I have seen both Persona and The Seventh oh, Seal. I've also, yeah, I've also but, seen Persona. Before, but both of them long enough ago in my film festival days in 2001 through three or four even. And so I can't really, I remember the pictures of them. And again, mm. these are films that are where iconic uh, in a way, like we all know death sitting opposite Max von Sydow and being like chest time, baby. <laughs> so we, we all know that scene of wild strawberries. We were just making jam. Yeah. And then the strawberries just come to life. Out. And it it, it I and mean, it turns into the end of uh, food no not food fight sausage party and all the stories just fucking each other. No, it turns into the food goblin ad from oh, Mandy. He's called the Cheddar Goblin. <laughs> um, I'm going to watch that tonight. Yeah, I might as well. But I have to watch it when everyone is asleep. Um, because. Because there are images of man. If other people walk into a room and see you viewing them. There is. We didn't mention it when we were talking about Begotten. But one of my flatmates walked through while we were watching Begotten. <laughs> and I have never felt the sense of having someone walk in while watching pornography more. <laughs> no, just having, like, we repeatedly said things like, "It's not. they're not all like this. Not all of the films are like this. Please stop looking at us. Yeah, it, it wasn't even one of, one of, like, the worst scenes in Begotten. No. It, it, was, it was just like, anyone seeing you watch any scene of Begotten will think you're a monster. Uh, but I do think my worst nightmare for what people think this podcast is, is that it is the two of us at midday on a Friday when people are at work, <laughs> looking at those abs, looking at, like, just staring gormlessly <laughs> at, at things like Begotten. Um <laughs> But yeah, so Bergman is obviously, he's a bit of a knight, um, as well as part iceberg, I believe, on his father's side, yeah. hence Bergman. Um, well, his his father was, written, was bitten by a radioactive iceberg. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, now their family is half iceberg, half man. Yeah, we were going to pair this with Titanic, but we're saving that for uh, Persona. Um because the other option, which is playing the whole of the video game Persona 5, which is 100 hours long. Not yet. This is the first of uh, four Igmar Bergen movies yeah. on the list. So after this, there's going to be Fanny and Alexander in a couple months' time, and then uh, uh, and then Wild Strawberries, and then Persona. And, Five I mean, like, golden. Five royal. It's it's kind of difficult to know what to say about Ingmar Bergman because like he's so obviously like a masterful filmmaker and uh, I don't know. We may as well just go for a plot talk, talk about stuff we yeah. like. Yeah. So um so Seventh Seal uh, released in 1957 uh, is, uh, 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 stars Ingmar Bergman regulars uh, Max von Sydow uh, and I believe from also Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Yep. Uh, and also Gunnar Bjornstrand uh, from Star Wars: was, uh, The Last Jedi. <laughs> is he in? I really I, hope I, he is. I, 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 I
Uh, I'm, I'm 100% sure Max von Sydow was like the last person of that sort of era filmmakers, uh, uh, actors who was still alive. Oh, I, was, I just Googled The Last Jedi. Um, but I mean, they just started typing. Oh, come on. Mm, looks like Gunnar Bjornstrand is going to be in all four of the Bergman movies we watch for this. Oh, uh, yeah. He died way before any of the good Star Wars films, <laughs> like Solo and Rose of Skywalker. And Last Jedi, the best Star Wars film. I mean... We've already done this. We've already done this joke. Have we? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, again, it's not a joke. I truly believe that Last Jedi is the best Star Wars movie. Uh, yeah. No. It's, I, yeah. I. I also agree. <laughs> so yeah, it stars those two Bergman regulars. Max plays a knight just back from the Crusades. Yeah, and his name is Antonius Block, yeah. which is uh, a real good name. Uh, and he was on a ship coming back from the Crusades, and it crashed at sea. And we know this because. There are horses on the beach. There are only two things that horses on the beach could mean. You're either in a national bank ad or you've just been killed at sea. I say this just because it's, it's also a common trend in uh, film adaptations of The Tempest. Right. Okay. See, I, didn't, I did not get that there was a ship crash. I thought him and his friend would just hang out on a beach for some reason. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's there for you to pick up. This is my... This is... This is only a theory yeah. and possibly um, one I am making up. Um, but yeah, I th- he died in that crash or is dead for mm. some reason. And then who is the last person you want to bloody see? Apart from the bloody tax mm. man, am I right? Yeah. Or, or the, my wife. Went to the bloody crusades to get away from her. Oh. <laughs> Which is uh, a joke that is actually in the film later. My yep. favourite joke in the seventh seal, which, which we will get to, I hope. Um, but no, it's only bloody death, isn't it? God. The old Grim Reaper himself. I don't know how many times I've ha- been having a good time. Mr. Destiny. Hanging out on the beach with my horses and my, and my squire. And my squire. And then seeing, oh, who's this to spoil the bloody fun? Oh, we get it. You got a, you got like, a, you got like geisha makeup on your face and you're wearing black robes. I- do not think it is. Oh no, it's makeup. just like it's just like it's super super like white. Oh yeah, yeah and this is this, he's my first fashion icon, and that yeah. I'm going to look at. It's uh, just like how when I was 13 years old, I saw a picture of James Dean, and I was like, oh, just I'll just vaguely dress like that forever. And then, luckily, Death's like, "You're dead. Let's go." Uh, and Max von Sydow's like, "Nah, I've got stuff to do." Man. And Death is like, "Fine," which makes me think. Has anyone tried that with death before? Because it feels like if I'm, you know, dying, um, my first thing, the first thing I'd say to death, like, obviously I'd say hi, I want to be polite, but then I'd be like, oh, I would just, it would be really good, it'd be an email, subject line, a favor, Uh, and then dear death, hope you're doing well, I'm fine. Um, I'm just looking at my timelines, and it would be. Uh, really I, I, great. I saw you. You want to claim my soul this afternoon, yeah. and look, I I understand that's your job, but I've I've got some stuff planned. I was gonna I was gonna go yeah. bowling. Yeah, I, to- totally fine if it's not cool. Totally yeah, fine. Look, I, but um, I, just, I just really feel like today's gonna be the day I get my perfect game. Yeah. And you know, you 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 can come. I'm sure. I'm sure. Like, I'm, I'm sure you'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. And, you're, you're like a tall guy. You'd have a you have a you like a lot of build up from. Yeah. Uh, if yeah, you want to bowl. Uh, and death is like, oh yeah, I love bowling. Yeah. No, he doesn't. 
Well, he says, uh, Magdalene says, do you want to play chess? And Death is like, how do you know I like to play chess? <laughs> and he was just like, everyone knows you like chess, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's in all the artworks. I'm yeah. just like, I feel like the major artwork of Death playing chess is the seventh <laughs> seal. Um yeah, but I mean, that, that, you know, that, that, that's that's you know that's that's artistic license. You know, you can just make up the fact that chef, that Death loves chess, and then it's like, oh, everyone knows this. Yeah, and what you get at the end of it, one of the justified stalwarts of cinema. Um, but just imagine if it had been like, okay, l- don't kill me. Let's play a game. Let's play Boggle. I'm real good at Boggle. Or um, what's a game like cricket? Like, well, it's a game that can take a very long time. <laughs> like, let's play um, Living for another 50 years. And then go, and Death is like, oh, I do like that game. Well, well so here's the thing. Like, De- Death wouldn't take you up on that because that's an obvious, that's like an obvious pull to get more time. But what you just, what you do is say, hey, Death, how about we play the game of life? And then when <laughs> Death's like, oh, yeah, we'll play that, you'd be like, ha, fool, I was talking about actually living because all life is a game. <laughs> and then you like, you flip him a double bird and you're just like, I win, I win, I win. And then you go off and you're, you're just good. I just feel and then like- Death's just standing there going, oh, nuts. The way to deal with death. Oh, sorry. No, he's Swedish. Like, oh, no, I can't do a fucking Swedish accent. Oh, he's nuts. <laughs> um, <laughs> Swedish are, are good and fine if racially problematic people. <laughs> um, Look, the, the only Swedish person I can do an impression of is, is a Swedish chef. Uh, yeah, I can do an impression of a Swedish fish. Yeah. Good. Good stuff. Yum. Fantastic. Yep. No, that no, was Finn. I don't think you understand. See, Swedish fish is the na- is the name of candy. As <laughs> a type, as a type of lolly. <laughs> what they're missing at home is how dead your face goes when you do that voice, like it's possessing. Uh, I was just talking to my sister like this for about fifteen minutes last night. I just, oh I was like, "Hi, Kate. How's it going today?" <laughs> that should be the podcast. No, I think people find that very irritating. <laughs> yeah, but like. Isn't that what supports? <laughs> are we not aiming for irritating? <laughs> well, oh, okay, no. Uh, I, I think we are irritating, but in sort of like a charming way. <laughs> um, <laughs> people can listen to us and be like, "Oh, I'm glad, you know what's nice? It's nice that they're doing that." I'm glad I don't have to listen to it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm only laughing because you're right. Um, yeah, whereas like my family and I, uh, I, I assume Briar has to like put up with this sort of nonsense. What, 24 hours a day? <laughs> oh, I would absolutely turn my <laughs> my role in me and Bray's relationship as irritant <laughs> or j- jester. <laughs> but like, jesters know how to turn it off. So the seventh seal, death uh, and the soldier, uh, this knight uh, playing chess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, like Unshare Underloo, the first image is... It feels like the iconic image. Yeah. You know, like, I cannot. It seems strange to blow the load this quickly. Yeah, like, I, I just sort of assume, like, most of the movie was about the chess match. And it is. The chess match is happening for, for most of the movie, but it is on screen for very little of it. There, there are these three or four separate bits uh, where Antonius Block and Def, like, meet up and play, play a few more moves of chess. Yeah. Like, I, I just assume, like, that this was mainly a chess movie. Oh, well, the whole thing feels like. A game. Ugh. No, I'm not <laughs> even gonna fuck. No. Ugh. 
<laughs> I just keep thinking thoughts like, well, it's structured like a game of chess. I just want to kill myself. <laughs> um, so he, he, here's this it. is podcasting on an empty stomach. Here, here's the thing about film analysis: is you can just say whatever you want, yeah. And most of the time, you can like after you've said it, you can kind of think of a thing to back it up. Yeah. And like, as long as you watched the movie, you you can pretty much say anything. But uh, and that that's that's gotten me through four years of four years yeah. of a film degree. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, will it get me through a fifth year? Yes. It's not looking like it. No, oh, no, things not going well. Oh look, I, I've I've we're over halfway through the year. I've written uh, two thousand words oh. of the forty thousand needed, and I haven't written anything since April. Uh, write some when you go home. I hope so. No, do it. No. Do it. No. You're committing to it on the podcast. Nope, I commit to nothing. There, that's an anticlimax. Yeah. <laughs> um, so once uh, we've set up that scenario, once the chess game begins, um, we meet a whole bunch of other people. Yeah, uh, just a bunch of peasants and uh, hooligans. Oh, yeah. Just sort of bopping around medieval Sweden. Yeah, a lot of the time, most of them being largely concerned with the plague, uh, which was, of course, a very bracing thing to watch in 2020, <laughs> watching yep. this film about lots of people dying because of a plague. Yeah, so the, 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 this film is mainly, like, like apart from a chess game, it's mainly about, like, a plague and having to come to terms with the fact that God does not exist and we are all alone in the universe. Yeah. And the 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 only thing waiting for us is death, and there's nothing after that. And like it's it's pretty fun. I just, I just like that movies are about that sometimes. <laughs> Sorry, I only say this because uh, um, I just looked up the Seventh Seal on mm. Google. Just you know, mm. Wikipedia opens, so we can look at for the synopsis. And you know how it's people often ask. Yep. The questions are, what is the meaning of the seventh seal? I think mm -hmm. you just precede that for us. What happens at the end of the seventh seal? A bunch of people dance. Yeah. How long is the seventh seal? 96 minutes. And of course, why is the seventh seal so good? <laughs> <laughs> um, the answer is because it launched the international art film scene. Yeah. Uh, that's what the BFI says, but of course... I what put, what do those fools know? I put no. I would never structure at least two <laughs> years of my life. They're, they're the, the whims. Um, so, what are your thoughts on juggling? It, it's one of those things like I'd like to be able to do. It just seems fun, you know. Do you see people juggle and you're like, oh yeah, I, I I could easily waste a lot of time doing that. See, I cannot juggle, but I've mm. put just enough time into maybe thinking that I should, that I know that when we meet, what's his name? Joff. Joff. Joff is funnier. <laughs> oh, I, think, I think Joff is funnier. Joff just you get, you like, get to say a J with like a Swedish inflection. Uh, anyway. Joff sounds like someone misremembering the name Jeff. Though. Yeah, no, Joff, uh, who is... Uh, name is Joff. Uh, who is uh, kind of a clown. He's very much a clown, an yep. almost Shakespearean the, 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 the first thing he does when he gets out of bed in the morning is he... he talks to his, house, his horse. Yes, and then, then he does... Well, before, he does some, like, tumbling practice. That's right. <laughs> he, he just, like, does, like, a dive over a log, mm. and then he's like, does a handstand in the middle of a field. And just his early morning flips, as we all do. Yep. Um, this, this is what people in medieval Europe had to do before they discovered Pilates. And I was into this. I was like, I, I understand this guy. Guy, what efficient character work yep. I kind of understand him and his relationship to the other two members of the theatrical troupe 
one of whom is his wife. Is uh, <laughs> no. that supposed to be a Borat voice? <laughs> yeah. Because that was not. No, I know. I've, I've got to say, because even as someone who has never seen Borat, very, e- very, no, very easy to because like that came out when I was like well like seven. Okay, don't say yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Uh, look, I know. I know. And like, they're like a bunch of my friends had seen it, and they were very irritating. Yeah. And so I never had any interest in in seeing it. Like even someone who's never seen it, it's very easy to do a Borat voice. <laughs> I know. I just dot dot dot. <laughs> so yeah, we meet. We meet Yoff. Yeah, we meet Yoff. Um, his wife Mia, their baby Michael. Uh, who is Winnie the Poohing it throughout this. There's yeah. a lot more infant penis than you would think for a classic film. Uh, I don't know. That, that, seems, that's, that seems like a thing that, that would be in a lot of like old movies. It's just, like, p- p- people, were just like, p- people just didn't care about naked babies that much in the past. I guess my cultural idea of what a classic movie is <laughs> kind of sits on people sleeping fully dressed. So, I mean, yeah, but also if you think about like yeah. you know classic movies like uh, Kevin Smith's Jersey Girl, yep. the naked baby invent. Oh yes, of course. And she classic. she she pees on Ben Affleck. Yeah, was, uh, man, what a film! What a from what what a, what a career! Um, I mean, I see my thing with Kevin Smith. Apart from the fact that I went through a very big Kevin Smith phase. Yeah, as as did I. I mean, who you got two eyes and a heart, don't you? Yeah. It's that I look at Kevin Smith and I go, he is behaving exactly like how I would behave. And like every choice he has made, I would follow. Yeah, you're you just going to kind of go, who wears hockey jerseys for 20 years? I mean, he changes them. <laughs> They're not like oh, mummifying to his I'm, skin well, over I'm, 20 years. I'm not sure about that. There's like one, there's like one orange hockey jersey that I've seen yeah. him wear like... Like a hundred different times. Maybe he's like Arthur. Maybe he has hundreds of a thing. Yeah. Or Albert Einstein, allegedly. Like in famous yep. film IQ. Yep. Um. Uh, we see them. We meet this family. They're not. They're kind of a family. They've got. Yeah, they've well, got a, It's an acting troupe. Yeah. They're sort of like not not and making a whole lot of money. They're a family and one other guy. Yeah. Um. They just like make the money like going around different towns and putting on like shitty plays and doing acrobatic routines and stuff. Now we, we see one of their shows. How would you describe it? Uh, uh, a, a grating. I would describe it as a melee. <laughs> like uh, I'd, it is a mash of actions. Well, like uh, uh, there's a part during the show where one of the people in the audience, uh, uh, grabs a handful of dung off of the ground and throws it at the leader of the acting troupe's face. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, good, good initiative. To think of doing that, good aim to hit him in the face, all, all around, good job. I just never thought... He deserves it. <laughs> I just never thought I would live to see a kind of Harlequin, Buffon morality, medieval morality play. And now that I have seen it, I'm aware of why it's not the hottest theatrical trend. Yeah. But after, they do a show uh, while the knight is in town, because the knight gets death to agree... Uh, as, as long as the game is going on, yeah. De- 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 won't claim is sold. He can go about his business and do 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 other stuff. And, and if he wins, he gets to live. And yep. if he dies, he uh, gets to unlive. Yes, I, w- I wish it was a shorter word for unlive, but <laughs> no, there's no no. That's it. Unlive. No, too bad. Uh, rot time. Dirt nap. <laughs> Sleeping with 
Vafishes. Ground pound brackets, non-sexual <laughs> close brackets. Fishing with the sleeps. <laughs> Old cross eyes. The Alec, first half of the Jesus myth. Alec Baldwin and uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. <laughs> Whoa, let's not spoil old Baldy's death. Look, I-, I think it'd be a spoiler if he didn't die in that movie. So you just watched the previous Mission Impossible film, v- veins growing well, so in your neck. Thing. Here's a great thing: I'd never seen Rogue Nation, ah. so I- I'd already seen I'd already seen Fallout twice by the time I saw Rogue Nation. Yeah. So for all Rogue Nation, I was fine. <laughs> You're like, oh. <laughs> He's gonna die. Dead, dead, dead. We're like, oh, it's the hotel owner from Hick. <laughs> What's he doing here? Finally, someone has looked at Hick and seen the star potential in, in hidden gem Alec Baldwin's performance. But yeah, so I, I only like movies where Alec Baldwin dies. Right. Like Mission Possible Fallout, uh, Beetlejuice, <laughs> Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Maybe. Haven't seen it. <laughs> no, he does not. <laughs> Um, he, he just talks for 10 minutes. Uh, I, I'm assuming that at the end of Hunt for Red October, the submarine just sinks. All hands lost. The idea that Hunt for the Red October, you know, they're, they're just in this submarine. They're like, we did it. We beat the Russians, or we are the Russians. I don't know. No, I, I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. I mean, Sam Neill's just like, no, we're all dead. And then pushes the self-destruct button on the submarine. <laughs> Here is my alternate pitch. As much as I love our fellow countrymen and, uh, of course, national icon yep. Samuel Neill, pressing self-destruct, what if they were like, yeah, we've won? And then someone's like, oh, no, there's a minor electrical fault. <laughs> and then all the... And then it's just like it just like cuts to outside the submarine, and you just see it just start to sink down into the Marianas Trench, and the credits roll over. There. Well, yeah, the credits are sort of like translucent, so you can still see the submarine sinking as the, like the submarine's going down. The credits are, go, are going up. Yeah. I mean, as the submarine sinks further and further, like just down, yeah. the, the pressure starts to build, and you just see it start to crumple, and it's just and going see- down further. It's like there's like a ten minute credit sequence, and it's just crumpling and crumpling and crumpling. And you see, like horrifically, people obviously try to get out. They, they like they'll do anything. People, someone comes out of the hatch and just immediately popped by the yeah. pressure. And then, like right, right as the last credit rolls, the last like like special thanks <laughs> to like I don't know the the the, the, fa- the family of. Uh, uh, Sean Connery's third wife. There's just like a, a real big like zoom in straight into like the last uncrumpled porthole and you see Albert one's face in it and he just does like, oh, that's all folks, and his head explodes. Um. <laughs> or if we get MGM to release it, <laughs> the lion roars, but its circle fills with water and then pops. <laughs> I want to st- oh my god yeah I mean it turns out that line was Aslan and now God is dead and then it's the seventh seal um have you seen the Meg uh, I have not seen it yet have you seen Underwater uh, I've not seen that either both of those films threaten at different points to be gravity but underwater yeah and I think we've just cut with our reboot Hollywood, get on the phone to us for Hunt for the Red October. We're just going to make Hunt for the Red October, <laughs> but then make the get the ending from Dustbot. Um, anyway, Yuff um, has a vision, of course, of of the Virgin Mary walking around with a naked baby Jesus. Yeah, uh, another naked baby, and then uh, once they've performed their show, uh, their mate 
the third member of the team. The, the, the leader. The leader. Um, His name's probably like Sebastian or Daniel or something. Yeah. Or uh, like the Swedish version of either of those names. Uh, and he make, during the show, he makes quite intense eye contact with a woman. Uh, and, His name is Lisa. Yeah. And in this art film, because it's an art film, we can be like, oh, they're going to have sex. They yeah. just had eye contact. And I cut to... Um, after he gets the dung thrown in his face, he goes off backstage, yeah. and Lisa, enormously aroused by the sight of a man covered in dung, yeah, like, yeah, nothing the, good to the loins harder than some poopy face. Look, here's the thing: these are all medieval peasants. They had to be aroused by the sight of someone being covered in dung because that's all they had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know why I laughed. <laughs> genuinely the uh, uh genuinely probably a fact and they have in one of the many justifiably canonical sequences uh, of the film the the show that um the other two are still doing becomes the narration of this kind of wordless seduction mm. between the two of them uh, and a, a, like apart from the fact that it just feels a little... There's no point at which they can affirm, you know, enthusiastic consent. But it's 1957. But it's like it's quite charming uh, and yeah. a bit fun. And then literally to, to bone, they jump into some bushes, startling a chicken. <laughs> uh, one of two chickens that just randomly appear in this film for one moment with a mm-hmm. begurk. It's... If you love chickens, I strongly recommend the film The Seventh Season. Yeah. If and and if you hate goats, Tukibuki. And if you love chickens and hate goats, check out my mashup film, The Seventh Bookie. Um, you could cut that plot into this film. You couldn't. No. Um, if you hate chickens, uh, please check out. Uh, please check out Lacan Lucien. Directed by one of those French guys, a guy who directed Madonna Vendre. There's a scene of that where, where, where the main character uh, karate chops the head off a chicken. And it is a real chicken that he really karate chops the head off of. And you okay. see uh, blood spurt everywhere, and it's very upsetting. So I stand by my recommendation of chicken rather instead. Also, the documentary Pecking Order, that, that's good fun, as much as I understand as it grossly represent, misrepresents some of the opinions on there. But if you want to watch a documentary about competitive chicken breeding, and the South and Island who, of New who Zealand. doesn't? Uh, like, mm. I don't think... Everyone wants to watch that, and it's all four quadrants. Oh, I'm not... I'm just trying to think of a single person. <laughs> I think there's someone, you know, who's just... who's going through a divorce right now, who's hit a real, uh, a real low... And, uh, you know, they're drinking pretty heavily. And I think that guy, Gavin, and I'm going to say he's in Ithaca, New York. Uh, I don't think he wants to see it, but I think he's the one person. Gavin. I, I, I think it might do Gavin some good. Yeah, but he's not in the mood for that right now. And he's mm. a bit low, so obviously he should watch the one film you should watch when you're very sad. <laughs> Well, stop making sense. It's just a yeah, genuine I, I, I own it on Blu-ray now, so I can watch it whenever I want. Yeah, yeah. I it's going to improve you. my life a lot. Uh, I had to choose between that and Yee Yee. And I went with Yee Yeah, Yee, that's, so that's also did. a good pick. That's, uh, that's how I stand uh, with Yee Yee. But anyway, any weather. Um, the knight and his squire meet a guy who's painting a religious 
fresco, which has death playing chess in it, yep. which is a bit like if I wrote a play being like all of God's representation, all the representations of death, he's shitting himself. And then in the play, I write a play, I write someone painting death shitting himself, being like, see, look, always shitting himself. <laughs> uh, uh, but that... And they talk a lot about religion. I'm beginning to notice a bit of uh, what you, a nerd, would term a theme. Yeah. Well, I I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't term that because I can't pronounce the th sound properly. Uh, So I'd call it a theme, and people like, oh, what what a fucking idiot. Would you call it a leitmotif? I mean, it is kind of like discussions of of religiosity are like a motif within uh, the film, but. This is where it becomes kind of obvious that the there are two conversations that happen in this film. One is, I am sad. Yeah. Or another, and the other is, God is dead. Well, there's also a third one that happens, which is, uh, uh, did you fuck my wife? I want to murder all actors. I, I, I need to go back and tidy something up. Do you want to know why I mentioned juggling? <laughs> oh, oh, right, yeah, we never, yeah. We never got to that. We never got to that. So... Um, the clown the moment I lost all respect for him was when we first see him juggle and again I know enough about juggling to know that he is juggling very badly but everyone around is like you're so great at juggling he has uh, uh, has two balls not not in front he's just sort of he's just sort of chucking them from hand to hand like a caterpillar track yeah um and that's just, that's not how you do it. Nope. Uh, if you're listening out there, Ingmar Bergman, this is a call-out post. Yeah, we're not going to stand for this sort of thing anymore. We want accurate representations of juggling in our uh, films about sadness. Well, and I just thought, if they're so wrong about juggling, how the fuck can I trust that this is what death looks like? Yeah, how how, how can I trust, you know, whether or not God exists? Um, <laughs> uh, so... Um, the his squire, the knight squire, yeah, uh, whose name is like Jons, yeah, uh, sa- played played by Gunnar Bjornstrand, yeah, saves a woman from being sexually assaulted, and uh, then he's real nice to her, and you're well, like, also he he threatens to to like he 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 says to a man who's attacking her like if I ever see you again I'll I'm gonna cut your face up like they do to petty scoundrels around here, yeah, um, and so. Oh, we've gone past. Uh, and so he's being a real nice guy about it. Don't worry. I just helped you out. It's cool. And so he does the standard romantic thing, which is this woman who's still reeling from a near sexual assault. He, of course, kisses her. And then in rapid succession, uh, when she refuses, says, well, I could have raped you. Yeah. And, and then he tries to hire her as a housekeeper. Being my housekeeper. And then I hope my wife is dead. <laughs> I'm just back from the war. Hope my wife is dead. And it is the most romantic. Like it's a scene in, set in film needs. history. Yeah. Um, no, we're learning this guy. Not a good one. Um, no. I, I want to when they're looking at the religious fresco being painted, uh, the knight uh, asks, why do you paint this nonsense? That was also Jons. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jons, yeah. Because Jons, uh, Jons talks with the painter while, uh, while Antonius goes and talks to death. Yes, of course. Um, yeah, he's talking, uh, Jons talking to the painter and says, why do you paint this nonsense? And the painter says, 
to remind people that they are going to die. And and Yon's like, what? Why would you want to remind people of that? They're not going to like your paintings yeah. if, if you do that. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll paint something fun afterwards to kind of get back on my side. And here I think is the major mark against the film that it could never have predicted. Like when you're when it's 1956 and you're Ingmar Bergman um, making. Is that, is that the Jamaican Ingmar Bergman? Oh no, I was going for Pokemon. Is it <laughs> that or a, that he's a Digimon? Um, <laughs> that was the joke I was aiming for. Um, I, I definitely missed, to be clear, though. Um, in 1956, making this film, like you will never know that in 2020, um, someone saying, I want to remind people that they're going to die is a laugh line. Because, like, speaking from the present day, everybody knows, yep. everybody knows that we're going to die. It is at the top of our minds. Most of the time, yeah, that, that's that's what that's what makes uh, this the best time in human history to be alive because you, <laughs> yeah. you you don't have to you know you you don't have to ignore the fact that we're all uh, uh, meat sacks anymore. <sighs> yeah. Um. Well, and this is this gets like the interesting the the thematic question I have about the seventh seal, which is that obviously it is incredibly technically accomplished, mm. looks great, performances are good, editing is fine the post sync is on all the dialogue that they've shot outside is the best they can possibly do i'm sure without you know technology mm. um but thematically because this is a film that pretty clearly interrogates a very religious population and then says but what if you're wrong whereas a film taking 97 minutes to be like god is dead you're just ashes when you die just live your life to the best kind of mm. like which is like it, it does a lot within that a film that takes that long to get to that statement when you're like oh like we all know <laughs> like that's picture book level themes and that was not true at the time yeah at all um and so it is kind of hard and like it would have been so much i think of the weight and power of this film is that it is kind of saying unsayable things and it's just unfortunate now that in its wake, everyone has said those things so much that they don't land anymore. Yeah, no, it's like a, when Citizen Kane came out, it was very groundbreaking. But now everyone hates people who work for newspapers. <laughs> yeah. Um, good joke. Um, you know, when Tokyo Story came out, it was groundbreaking. But now, now everyone hates their children. <laughs> Get ready for me to do the other 99 movies on the list. <laughs> and when Vertigo came out, it was groundbreaking. Now everyone wants to... Uh, wants to turn an actress into uh, their, their dead ex-girlfriend. <laughs> Uh, yeah, when... Okay, <laughs> I just kept trying to think of when Osmosis Jones comes out. <laughs> you know, within 10 years, everyone... Everyone lived inside Bill Murray. <laughs> That's true. It's just a fact. Um... Look, it, 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 it's his world. We, we're just living in it. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, uh... I think so far we've spent about 50 minutes talking about the first uh, 20 minutes of, of The Seventh Seal. Okay, so then um, Old Nightman, uh, mm -hmm. Enemy of the Day Man, as we all know, uh, he goes into uh, a church uh, to have some of the old confesh times. Yep, he talks to a priest through, like, a metal grating or, or like, a, a portcullis. Yep, and, mm -hmm. uh, and the conversation is less with the with the priest and it is with jesus because there's this big crucifix of jesus which, with a hilarious face um 
in that he looks his face looks like he's in the middle of like a camp 1970s british comedy <laughs> and someone has just said like call the fire station call the <laughs> call the fire station my pussy's on fire and then someone goes oh <laughs> and that's what yeah, jesus's the, 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 face yeah, looks cut like. to his reaction <laughs> yeah yeah um uh, uh, which is very interesting and of course he explains to the priest sup priest um, everything's bad everything's I, I was just in the crusades and like that was a load of bullshit yeah. um i am obviously playing chess with death um, but I have this great scheme. And then he explains the trick he's going to do only for the priest to turn around. It's only bloody death. Oh, you should have known that the guy you were talking to with the pale white face and the black robes was the old Grimothy Reaper. Now, what we have just described to you is the story the film wants to tell. But what actually occurs in the film is that he talks to someone who is obviously death from the beginning yeah but like, and but he like seems you, like a real clod yeah so here's the thing they're like yufa wasn't paying full attention to this part of the movie and so he he missed some stuff and so like so for up the conversation um max on side was like mostly looking at the ground or at a yeah. wall and he's just sort of like kind of caught up and talking about his own problems and the few times he does like turn around to, to, to look at what he thinks is the priest, uh, uh, the, the priest like turn, turns away from, so he can't see his face. But but Yufa missed all of those points, so Yufa just like sort of, like 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 assumed that he knew he was talking to Death the whole time. And so then when it was revealed to Max on side of it, he was talking to Death. Uh, Yufa was like, "What are you fucking doing?" <laughs> I like. We've talked about how Ingmar Bergman couldn't predict how his themes would evolve mm. in the future. But I think he definitely could predict that one day while watching this film, a 32-year-old <laughs> writer would want to order tickets to Dunkirk in IMAX <laughs> uh, in two Saturdays' time. I think Ingmar Bergman yeah. absolutely knew that you specifically enjoy yeah. the film Dunkirk. I mean, I don't. I want to see it in IMAX. Yes. Yeah. I mean... That's nah, not my favorite. Nolan. You're just a huge fan of the, the acting of Harry Styles. I love people who've gone on to be in Black Mirror. I'm trying to trying to think of who that is. Theon Whitehead, the lead. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then he was in Bandersnatch. Oh right, I didn't watch that one. Oh, you should you should watch Bandersnatch. I, I, I watched from when they were in bloody England. As soon as I moved on to moved to america i was like yeah don't really care much i watched like the first episode of the season three yeah and then Bryce Dallas Howard. yeah then i watched the one that was partially written by pen from pen and teller and then that's it black museum yeah okay M so you've not seen san junipero no I, I haven't seen your favorite piece of art of all time san junipero it's not i mean it was my favorite film of that year yeah was well, it what else came out that year maybe paddington shit was well, that 2017? We don't. We should not do no. this. We do not have the time. No, we, we no. absolutely don't have the time. <laughs> we do not have the time. So, basically, the final members to join the cast are this, the local Smith. Who is the husband of Lisa, the one who yeah. ran off with uh, the leader of the actors. And he is pissed. And uh, which leads to a 15-minute diversion into the Marx Brothers adapting... Um, oh, what is it? What is it like? 
the man. Well, the, v- v- there's, there's kind of two, two segments where, where they just like take time out of the film. There's just like extended gag sequences. Uh, there's a bit where uh, Jons, the, the squire, is talking yeah. is talking with the, the, the blacksmith, and like the blacksmith is really upset that his wife has run off with another man, yeah. and and Jons just like slowly convinces him that like women are terrible, and why do you want to be married to one? And, and uh, this is all through this in which the smith is listing violent acts he's going to do to the man who cucked him yeah um and for example i want to give him a little tap on the head with a sledgehammer <laughs> i'm gonna put my fingers down his nose and tickle his brains <laughs> like these incredibly florid delightful descriptions of violence and that escalates into uh, a confrontation which is very much in the style of if the marx brothers did a roast battle yeah um eventually the blacksmith and uh the, the lead actor i believe uh, his character is called like jonas scott yeah or well, Jonas, Jonas Scott. Yeah. And the two of them, the two of them meet, and uh, Jonas uh, really doesn't want to be killed. He, he's he's a big fan of not dying, which is one of the themes of the movie. Yeah. And so him, him and the blacksmith just like start trading like barbs and stuff, and we're talking about like how hard they're gonna punch the other one, <laughs> like. And then, like at one point, the blacksmith says, "Like, you know, I'm I'm gonna fart on you so hard you get blown down to hell." <laughs> And like, oh, it's just a bunch of really good stuff. Um, but then the knight manages kind of to talk them round into not killing each other. Uh, uh, so, sort of. Well, no, and- well so, uh, so the blacksmith is threatening to kill Jonas, and Jonas is like, huh, I know how I can get out of this. I'll threaten to kill myself. Is the, 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 which is like the classic way to get out of any problem. And so he, he he pulls out he pulls out a knife and just holds it at his heart and says, "You know what? You've convinced me, uh, but I don't want you to kill me. I'll just kill myself. It's fine." And then suddenly Blacksmith's yeah. like, "Oh no no, don't do that! I was just I was just kidding." Yeah. And then Jonas uh, w- walks over to a tree and just plunges the knife into his chest and uh, falls down dead. And it, everyone's like, "Oh well," <laughs> and they all just get back in their cart and keep on going. He's not really dead. No, because he has the world's first, like, trick spring knife. Um, This is happening a thousand years ago, let's remember. He he went to, like, ye old Swedish prank store. (laughs) And was like, ah, some peanuts (laughs) in a can. (laughs) I shall sample their wares. Serpents within! (laughs) Um, and of course, you know, if, if, if you want more, if you want more jokes like that, but better, go um, uh, yeah. Google Paul F. Tompkins peanut brittle oh, for, for one, one of the all-time great yeah. comedy bits. Oh yeah. Um, so we've kind of met our cast of characters, and they go Tra- traveling through the woods, traveling through the woods, encountering the plague. Yeah. Um, they. Oh, they- sorry. We should uh, after the scene where Jonas uh, commits suicide. Everyone leaves, and it turns out he hasn't had to kill himself because he's got a trick knife. Uh, yeah. not, not, not going down that rabbit hole again. He's got a trick <laughs> knife, and he like pulls it. He pulls it out, and he's like, huh, "I'm, oh, I'm, the, I'm the greatest actor in the world." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and then he's like, "Now just to find a tree to climb up, and I can wipe this out." And he goes and he climbs up a tree, and just starts sort of like huddling in the top branch of a tree, just sort of singing to himself about how he's a bird now. And, <laughs> 
and then like just like through the branches you can see death walking underneath them yeah. with, with, a, with a giant saw <laughs> and, and death just starts sawing down the tree and, and Jonas is like oh there's, there's workmen in the forest oh this is oh will they leave me alone and then he looks down and he sees his tree's getting cut down he's like hey why are you cutting down my tree and he's like oh, I'm deaf I'm here to cut down your tree because your time's up and he's like no isn't there a can, can I get like you know an extension because I'm an actor and he's like no fuck actors <laughs> I mean he just finishes cutting down a tree and Jonas just dies by falling out of a tree uh, and this is where uh, the best actor in the whole film appears which is then uh, a beautiful wee squirrel jumps on top of the tree stump and has- just, starts, just starts all like nibbling at stuff but it it this has, is one of the most charismatic scores I've ever seen in my life. It, this, call yourself Tippy Toe because you are my favorite squirrel. <laughs> Tippy Toe being Doreen Green, the unbeatable squirrel girl's main squirrel friend. Right. The unbeatable squirrel girl, the best comic for children that I, an adult, read. Oh, read. Mm. Oh, it's, it's a little like. Mm. Guess where we are? We're in recommendation corner. <laughs> My recommendation is The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, the comic book. It's, it's good. What's your recommendation? Uh, my, my recommendation is, uh, uh, is 1970s uh, New, New York electronic uh, uh, punk band uh, Suicide. Oh, great. Uh, 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 the, the, the first album, uh, uh, self-titled Suicide, great. It has, uh, has the scariest song ever written. Uh, just, uh, it's called Frankie Teardrop. Oh, dope. Um, uh, so... Uh, <laughs> It's recommendation corner closed, um, and so yeah, this kind of these t- these team of busters just kind of generally go on some adventures, um, which are very uh, low stakes, meditative, mainly about is there a god? Probs not. No. Um, uh, at uh, one point, th- they come across um, a group of like a group of like monks and soldiers yeah. who are like leading like a wagon train through the woods, and on, on the back of the like final wagon, there is a woman in a cage. Uh, and she uh, she's been accused of witchcraft, yep. and they're, they're taking her to the place of execution in order to set her on fire. Uh, and this is the point in the film where I got a little bored, uh, because there's a long conversation between the knight and the witch, uh, which is shot reverse shot of the exact same takes of the exact yeah. same shot, and after such like a visually diverse uh, and melodic film, mm. suddenly being caught in a conversation that's filled like direct and you know they talk about if there's a god or what's going to happen when she dies so max von Sydow like asked her like i've heard you've had sex with a devil yeah can, can you tell me how to get in touch with a devil because <laughs> I, I think he, like he'd he'd know if god's real or not and i want to talk to him about it and and she she, she says you know i i can absolutely show you the devil just look into my eyes and he he stares into her eyes and he realizes, oh yeah, she's she's not a witch. There's no devil. There's yeah. just like a this is like a confused young girl who's been like brought up in a brought up in a culture that's like taught of like if there's something wrong with her, it is the, the result of of the devil. Yeah, and, yeah, and uh, it's just like then they burn it. Then they burn it, and it's sad. Yeah. Um, and throughout this, death and the night keep playing their chess. Uh. Uh, it builds to the point where death's winning, and so the knight pulls a very sneaky move where he uh, he bumps the chess set, knocks some of the pieces over. Yeah. Oh no, we'll have to start. Well, I've forgotten over. where all my pieces were, and death's like, I know where they were. Um, which leads to my favourite exchange uh, in the film, just to be sincere for a mm-hmm. moment, when he says, like, uh, 
what is it? Oh, what does he say? Like, you know, what are the two things? There's you know nothing, I know nothing, and then there's another. Oh, all right. When the knight finally loses the the, the match, Dev says, so the next time you see me, I'll come to, to like to claim you and all your friends. Yeah. And, and, and the knight says, so, and then will, will you tell me your secrets? He says, I have no secrets. That's it. And then he says, you know nothing. And Dev says, I know nothing. Yeah. And like for all we can clown on this film for being a bit dated, like that naked statement that death has no secrets and knows nothing. It just happens to all of us. Uh, is That's what I think about. Yeah. When I think about this. Yeah. That, that, uh, that uh, conversation rules. And I'm a big Maybe fan about of it. about the rest of the film. <laughs> Bad luck, Ingmar. <laughs> Go back to being One nice. out of ten ain't bad. <laughs> so then... Well, um, so like during this last uh, uh, chess match, Yof sees he sees the knight playing chess with Def, and he's like, oh, this is a bad sign. And and his wife uh, can't see Def because she doesn't have visions like he does. Yeah. But uh, he convinces her, like, Let, let's get out of here. Let's, let's leave these people. No, nothing good is going to come of staying with them. Can I just say, I had never put together that it's because he has visions. I just thought he was going to die soon, and that that's what the ending of the film threatens. Right. Next death is going to come for him. Right. Um, but So they run away. Yeah. Uh, the family runs away, and I mean, that's what I would That's what I would do. The rest of them just continue on to, uh, I, I, I guess, to Max von Sydow's house. Yeah. Where they, they meet his wife. Oh yeah, who has been his lo- uh, the wife he left behind. Yeah, like, uh, like and they were just ten, ten years earlier. And there's and there's the sense he doesn't know where their relationship is. Mm. But just to pause uh, and go back for a second, I have realised that I would like to play chess with death. Mm. I'd like to be in the knight's position, even though you kind of know that your death is certain. Mm. Uh, and that's because death could confirm for me that I have friends <laughs> by saying, I will kill you and your friends. And it would just be really nice to be certain just for a moment, you know? Um, and, yeah. And so they go through, yeah. Block is reunited with his wife. Yeah. And, they and all have kind of a final sup. Then the thief turns up. He's got the plague, and he dies of the oh, no, plague. That, that, that was that was earlier. Oh, okay. It's just worth mentioning. Yeah. It's it's pretty silly. Um, it, it it does remind you, or well, it reminds one of uh, him running around the field in the test <laughs> when the guy's dying of the plague. Um, they have their, their last dinner, and then the the wife of Max on Sado is um yeah, she, she's reading from the book of Revelations. Yeah. Uh, she reads the part about the seventh seal, which is also narrated at the beginning. Yeah, and and this whole part of Revelations is um, kind of all, all about like the uh, I mean, it's about this whole like moment that, that like the end of the world begins. Yeah, and it's like what once once the, the the seventh seal is broken, there is silence for half an hour, and then the the, the seven trumpets begin to sound, and the world like begins to like basically burn. I would never know. I, I, it must be crazy to live in a world that's burning, surrounded by death uh, and plague, and mm-hmm. that every moment you have with your loved ones uh, feels brief and quiet. I, wouldn't it be crazy to live in a world like that? Yep. Vote green. <laughs> Vote green party, please. Yep. Three text green. And so death comes. Yep. Uh, and, and he asks the knight, have you done the great work you wanted to do or your major accomplishment, which is something they talked about. Uh, and he said, yes. And it's left ambiguous as to what that is, but it's probably reconciling with 
my wife. But I, I, I think it's also like he he wanted to like he he wanted to like finally like have certainty about like uh, about like God and and the, the sort of meaning of life. Yeah. And by the end of the film, he's realer. He's like found out. Yeah, no, there's probably no God. There's no meaning to life. I'm ready to die. Um, and then they all dance up a hell. Yep. While uh, while while Yoff and Mia and their baby uh, watch on from afar. Yeah. Well, Yoff does because he can see magical shit. And he describes it. Yeah. And Mia's just like, oh, you were you and uh, aren't aren't you a aren't you you good boy? <laughs> always always making up stories about metaphysical entities. Uh. But yeah, so that that ending to me was like, oh, he is seeing what is about to come for him, and this woman is going to be left to raise this child alone, because a lot of a lot of their conversations about what they're going to do for Michael, their child, yeah, Michael, yeah, Michael, uh, in the future. Uh, anyway, that uh, that's what I thought that was. I thought there was a hanging threat to it, but apparently not. And then um, a black screen appears, uh, which and is a bit credits, like, uh, which is a bit like a death. Of the film, yeah. um, so Finn, the seventh seal was it shite or sound? Uh, I think it was a big old turd. I love uh, God, <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna live forever. <laughs> okay, I I also think it's sound, and I think that almost every mark against it is time as opposed to the film. Yeah, no, t- t- totally agree on that. I think it's a film that I I definitely need to watch again, probably yeah. in, in circumstances that aren't. It was like, like you know, on the small TV in a in a well-lit room. It's, it's 40 inches, mate. Oh, that's, that's, a, that's a small TV. Yeah, no, I think TVs are too big, but that's a conversation for another <laughs> time. Um, no, I just don't... Anyway, it's not... Who the fuck cares <laughs> about television size it was three hundred dollars at jb hi-fi that's what i know about that no, no yeah look fair um then i'll get an 8k fine when you be happy now then we can really look at the pixels um maybe no one day well it makes it hard to look at the pixels because like they're all... but there's sort there's no source footage for it there are no films that have been finished at 8k so they'll be smushed up mm. I just, I just want to watch a film on like one, like one hundred forty-four p again, just, just so I can see every individual pixel. <laughs> um, it's like, oh, that pixel's awesome. Well, it's fantastic. Be a good way to watch. Maybe we should do. If this podcast is getting too easy on us, I think we should start throwing restrictions at ourselves like that. Like we have to watch Citizen Kane, but at one hundred forty-four p. Or like backwards, or in a foreign language. With I mean, no subtitles. we we could do that, but I, I think there's going to be episodes of this podcast that are hard enough on their own. That that is true. Um, yeah, uh, I it is it, it's interesting because the Seventh Seal is self evidently very good, yeah, uh, and influential. But if someone was like, I want to see a film about death, I want to see an art house film about death. I wouldn't recommend it because there is a sense of it that it's a bit like homework. Uh, and the unfortunate thing of time is that the, the pace, it's hard. You have to shift modes to view it. And yeah. It's, it's hard to kind of casually 
watch. Yeah, I think if, if like I, I wanted I wanted to show someone like a, a film like this, I, I would I would like show them something like First Reformed before I show them this. But like I mean like First Reformed is also like a slow, difficult movie. But I think just like the fact that it's in color and it's got Ethan Hawke and Amanda Seyfried in it, yeah. you'd be like, yeah, is, I, I can I can watch this. Great, Ethan Hawke from. Has he been a Marvel villain? Uh, no, you, you, you're, you're, you're thinking of... Guy Pierce. Yeah. I was, I was just trying to think of an Ethan Hawke movie. I was, I was going to say Equilibrium, but that's not him. He's in a movie that has a name like Equilibrium, but he's not. It's not Equilibrium. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Maybe Gattaca is what I was thinking of. Oh, yeah. By, directed by a New Zealander. Ihoa, mm-hmm. Atua, etc. Um, me refusing to sing on the podcast, <laughs> so just sternly stating our <laughs> national anthem there. Uh, no, if I wanted to show people uh, a modern film which has some of the same spirit as The Seventh Seal, I would simply show them a film that I believed was titled Bill and Ted's Journey. See, of the first many layered reveals, the ideas within ideas, the density of the digesis on this film, yeah. uh, and that we... During the opening credits, when you first see the title, yeah. it says... Bill and Ted's Journey. And yeah. you think, that's not the name of the movie I remember uh, buying this uh, 4K Blu-ray of. Well, see, I only I only trust the text. Yeah, no, of, as, uh, as, as, as you should. So I thought, it's interesting, people have added the word bogus. Mm. I presume it won't shockingly. And then, <laughs> as twere it breaking through the screen. It shoots out from behind the other words. Like the bogus. Tr- the... In giant letters. In giant, what we could only term 90s letters. <laughs> yeah, this These is... are letters that if you apply heat to them, change colour. <laughs> like, this is maybe the most like, 90s title reveal I've ever seen in a movie. And it's uh, like right from like, the first moment of the film, it's a fucking delight. Um, so it, it's a fraught time, as we've alluded to. Right? Yep. Uh, it, it, it's hard being a person in the world. And I think, like, a crisis that touches me, and I hope you very keenly, yeah, it's cruel of me to wish a crisis on you, but anyway, <laughs> is that it is very difficult to work out how to be in a world that has been shaped by literally millennia of patriarchy and rape culture. Yeah. It's very difficult to think, like, what is a good man? What does non-toxic masculinity or maledom look like? Yeah, and as we have discussed on previous episodes, Euphodine is the one good man. Yeah. Well, I'm now throwing open the doors because I think there are three good men. <laughs> There's me, yeah, a man called Bill, and a man called Ted. Yeah, you know, I would throw two more in there. Yeah. There's uh, 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 Robot Bill and Robot Ted. <laughs> no. <laughs> The, the, the evil no, no, of no. the <laughs> robot. So this is a movie where our our, our main characters, our best friends, um, uh, Bill S. Preston and Theodore Logan, yeah. and then there are evil robot versions of them yeah. uh, who are called evil robot Bill and evil robot Ted. Uh, um, and then there are good robot versions of them called good robot Bill and good robot Ted. And, uh, <laughs> and of the many delightful touches that makes this just a genuine roller coaster of a film, a wild, delightful ride. Is that the evil Bill and Ted 
consistently <laughs> refer to each other as Evil Bill and Evil Ted. Yeah. So and, we're just and, like, come on, Evil Bill. Sure, Evil Ted. And, and, and the scene where we're like the good evil, the good robots and the evil robots finally meet. Like regular Bill and Ted are like, oh my god, the good, good robot asses just just defeated the bad robot asses. <laughs> I, f- I feel like there are more examples of positive masculinity out there, but the thing I was struck watching this is how, with the exception of one joke, which is a callback to the one oh, bad I'll, joke I'll, in the I'll, first I'll, I'll say two jokes. During, during the seance when we're like looking down Missy's shirt. Oh, yeah, that is, that, that is true. Yeah. There, there are two jokes in it that are gross, but the rest of them, and it's so interesting that like the joke of Bill and Ted is supposed to be that like, oh, what are these dumb layabouts? What are the, the worst people we Hollywood can think of? <laughs> um, which are, of course, people... <laughs> who like to relax. People <laughs> uh, really haven't been destroyed by, by late-stage capitalism <laughs> yeah. yet. Um, and, like, part of the joke is supposed to be like, check out these numbnuts. But now watching and you're just like, these are nice, supportive guys who care about each other, other people. And, like, I, I rewatched Excellent Adventure. And the defining moment for me was that, because the first one is all about them failing history. Yeah. And you see their last class. This is a class we know they hate uh, and that they're doing badly in. And as they leave, they stop to be like, hey, teacher, we just wanted to say thanks for the bodacious work you've done this year. (laughs) And then the teacher's like, you're bad. But it's just like, no, their first thought is still like, it's not it's not his fault. We're going to go and thank him. Yeah. Um, And it is genuinely lovely just watching just people be positive and chill be excellent to each other and party on yeah and the core joke being that then these two layabouts become the basis for future society i'm like we could just do so much worse than bill and like look at us like fuck man i would rather have bill or ted than almost every major world leader right now. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree with that. That's and right, like, Merkel, I'm coming for you. <laughs> and, like, there's all, like, pop culture idea of Bill and Ted for, like, the last 50 years has been like, oh, it's just, like, it's just, like, it's two, like, goofy stoner layabouts. And, yeah. like, no one, no one talks about the fact that it's like, yeah, like, they, these are just, like, two of the nicest fucking people. Yeah. And they, they just, like, all, 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 all they want to do is just, like, make music that they enjoy and just hang out together and just, like, not be bad to people. Well, and it is, um, one of the early beats in this film is uh, in an excellent adventure, they they meet and fall in love with two uh, English princesses from, uh, uh, like, the past. 1500s? Shmoo, shmoo, yeah. the past. Um and fall in love with them. And the opening of this film is them proposing, and they propose at the same time, <laughs> saying the same words with the same rings, um, opposite each other in like a Wes Anderson symmetrical <laughs> shot. But just through their performance through Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves, what do you ever do next? Never heard of them. Um, uh, uh, in the performance and like the direction and everyone's delight is just like, Oh no! Like the joke could be like, check out these dudes. They've got no ideas, but it's like, oh no, they they want to share this moment. Yeah, and it's, it's and like it, it's, it's so it's genuinely heartening. Yeah, no, it, it is like by, by both like the, the by, by by the actors and yeah. by like the script and the direction. It's all played so genuinely, and uh, I think like th- th- this movie could easily be like 
Super's like, oh, look, look at how, look at how fucking, look at how fucking dumb these guys are. Look, look, look at how silly they are. But like, just because of like the the pure force of Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves, you can't help but get the sense that like we are supposed to be on these guys' side, yeah. and like they make you believe in all of those like silly stuff that Bill and Ted do. Well, and I think some of that comes down to a thing I'd never really noticed before about Bill and Ted. I had not seen Bogus Adventure. We'll get on to Bogus. Bogus journey um we'll get on to why uh but excellent adventure uh is like part of my dna Rewatching that film was like rediscovering childhood memories um is that throughout they consistently like they're knuckleheads but they know they're knuckleheads and so they will politely they just ask for help all the time they keep bowing to smarter or more not necessarily even smarter people but more equipped people for the situation yeah and like, and like that, that, that's what the, the whole like first film is is yeah. like they're like oh yeah we we don't know anything let's let's go let's go talk to experts yeah. so we can learn things and that, that's what this film ends up being yeah. on several fronts as well and so like that is like as much as it'd be cool to be like chill or nice but the fact that they're like chill nice people who care about everyone uh and just want everyone to have a good time while still acknowledging that there are dark things in the world yeah but they're also they're people who seek help they feel they are aware of their own deficiencies and that's genuinely i i wish i was bill or ted like i wish i could be those people yeah it's so hard to think of like other movies especially like level of like american movies that are like so comfortable with the like lead men just being okay with the fact that they are not the smartest and toughest guys well and especially and i'm surprised in both films cases because especially you know after the first one was a success uh there would be more notes on the Mm. second one is that they are entirely reactive characters they they have no agency in this film yeah um they just respond to the situations the best they can and often that was that's going to someone else like they're essentially messengers um and there is and like the normal solution to that when you have a film like that is to then create needless conflict between your two leads you know the bit in shrek where they decide yeah that they're not friends anymore and in neither film they're just that you know they disagree they have different points of view but they're always friends yeah and i just ah oh, yeah, isn't isn't it nice <laughs> just over credits there's like a whole bunch of newspaper articles <laughs> just, <laughs> just, right. just like just show, showing the future of bill and ted and, and their band wild stallions and there was one article uh where uh, there's like the two of them on the front page of the newspaper with like a line in between them <laughs> yeah. and it says like like wild stallions r- rumored split dow drops 600 points <laughs> And then the next headline is uh, Wild Stallion split a hoax at Dow at record highs. And, and, and it's like, like the, these two, like their friendship is so powerful. Yeah. They're just like, like entire economies just like revolve around whether or not they like each other. And like, but like, but like the, the film knows that like they will always like each other. Well, Nothing is going to get between these two fucking guys. Well, and like the really beautiful thing, uh, uh, like especially with that, like that news headline ending is. Uh, it's great, and it it's also like this film is also a cartoon, um, and like this film is especially a cartoon because we start, of course, in the distant future, uh, twenty six ninety one, yep. um, where everyone is pinned after Bill and Ted. We're at Bill and Ted University in San in San Dimas. George Carlin is there again, um, as Rufus, 
uh, and man, they've got money because it looks like this is what I presume like SpaceX or a Tesla factory is like. It's all just smooth white. There are lots of people dressed only. Oh no, I'm describing heaven. Um, it's all multicolored. Um, yeah, everyone, everyone's, everyone's wearing like fun future clothes. Um, which I love those future clothes, and like yeah. we're in a good position because uh, like clo- retro clothes has just lined up. <laughs> with Bill and Ted's bogus <laughs> journey. But, like, the looks are all good. The makeup, everyone's having fun and yeah, a good and th- time. Th- this just, like, starts one of the, like, running trends of a film where there's, like, so much good design work going into this. The art department yeah. went fucking ham on this film. Yeah. And that ham is fucking delicious. Yeah, with, with, like, with, like a, a lot of, like, studio comedies, a lot of people, like, like don't try hard to make it look, like, visually interesting. Yeah. But but like like if every every like different like location of a film looks like different and they all have like their own like unique identities and there was there was there was just like so much work put into like the design elements of all the different parts of a movie. Yeah, it just uh, yeah, it's a, it is a very it is sincerely a very good film, and I think part of what makes it so good is that there is obviously coming into this. They know who the characters are, which like an interesting thing about the first film is that that film was written for them not really to be likable. Yeah. Um, and they were supposed to be kind of like heavy metal T-shirt, smelly boys traveling <laughs> through time. Um, and that's why they're so reactive, because we're kind of supposed to be laughing at them. But when you cast uh, Alex Winter from uh, uh, John Wick and Keanu Reeves... Uh, from Lost Boys. Oh, yeah, from Lost Boys. And he, he's done a lot of directing work um, as well. Um, they're just so, like, charming and lovely, right? Yeah. And, and having that and looking at that set of characters and kind of the world they're in, this film rigorously is like, well, okay, we've done time travel. We don't want to just do time travel again. There's literally a Saturday morning series to do more of that. Um uh what if they died and then the film incredibly meticulously goes through kind of almost every sequence is like okay so they can possess someone which means we can have an old guy talking like them obviously they have to go to hell what is hell like for bill and ted um they can interact with a seance what is that and it and so every beat of this film is not just more Bill and Ted, which I would have been happy with, but it's pushing them to a different place. Like they're doing the work to like analyze and expand it. You know, it, it does what it does what the John Wick sequels do. Yeah. yeah and we can only hope that in uh, Bill and Ted face the music Fingers coming crossed. out in a month. I mean, less. I mean, like by the time this is out, like. Uh-huh. But by, 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 by the time this episode comes out, uh, yeah. we, we will have already seen the Bill and Ted's marathon at the Academy Cinemas. Yeah, you will have. Um, oh. I'll join you for the Vengeance uh, trilogy. Yeah, trilogy. Sure. And so we start when we first we meet uh, Bill and Ted. They're practicing uh, for Battle of the Bands. Yeah, the English princess girlfriends are also in the band. Uh, uh, their names are Joanna and Elizabeth. One of them plays drums, and one of them plays keyboard. And they're just having a great time. Yeah, they're, they're terrible at music. Yeah, and so of course their manager. Well, Pam, no, it's it's the, the teacher who's in charge of the Battle of the Bands. Oh, right, and so of course the teacher, <laughs> the Battle of the Bands. See, he, uh, <laughs> Bill and Ted was 
shot, I, I believe, in 1986 or maybe even 1985. Right. Um, and then there was a financial issue or production issue and it only came out in 89. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone, well, Keanu, who you may know... Uh, from The Lake House. From The Lake House, obviously. Uh, and he directed a film about the Panama Papers and <laughs> and Alex Winter... From Always Be My Maybe. He, he, he directed a film called Man of Tai Chi. <laughs> he did. Have noticeably aged. Yeah. And, yeah, the fact that they're dealing with a teacher. Because I like the, like, we're kind of presented, my reading of this film is that they're like, four or five years has passed. They're now like your age and yeah. living pretty functional lives. They talk about having a job at somewhere that's called like soda and mistake uh, yeah something like that and like they they, they 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 don't live with their parents anymore but yeah. they have like an apartment together of course they do yeah but it seems like they still beds in the same room yeah because because they're best friends yeah. but yeah it seems like they kind of still go to high school yeah it's it's sort of it's sort of hard to tell um yeah maybe they had to but yeah, Pam Greer is uh, is the teacher, and of course, and says like, "You keep telling me you're going to be the best band ever. What, why are you? Why are you so bad?" <laughs> and and be like, like, "We don't know." No, uh, uh, Bill says we don't know, and Ted goes, "It's because we don't practice and haven't learned how to play our instruments." <laughs> and that is like, yeah, I understand that self awareness. Um, we have skipped an important thing, which what? is in fact, oh right, um, yes, back in the future, back to the future. We meet an evil guy who's actually pretty boring, but he introduces yeah. the true his, villain. His name is Denomalous. Yeah, yeah. He's just some guy. He's, um, he's just an old guy. Uh, he looks like uh, like a resident evil three or four villain. There's just a scent of him just being this big pound of flesh. Uh, encased in kind of stiff fabric. Yeah, and he he is like a member of this or like future society. Yeah, and he thinks that like uh, that all this Bill and Ted stuff is uh, it's, it's a bunch of nonsense, and he thinks that society is too frivolous, and he he wants to like use yeah. the time travel uh, to go back in time and and prevent Wild Stallions uh, from writing a song uh, that will change the world and the universe forever. Um, and like the first moment. I knew I loved this film is when this character enters, confronts George Carlin as Rufus, and and he says, of course, my oldest teacher, I always knew you'd be back, and it's just like this perfect understanding uh, of the genre. Yeah, and like him and George Carlin are the same age, (laughs) it looks like. Um, uh, But then he reveals his great plan, which is he has made evil Bill and Ted, (laughs) who are identical robots who are going to go back in time and replace Bill and Ted by killing them. Um, And this is a really interesting thing because it continues to underline for me like Bill and Ted is a positive idea of masculinity because we see evil versions of them where their tone is the same and like their their voice is the same obviously but they're casually cruel uh there is you know they keep trying to kiss their girlfriends uh, uh and things like that in a way that's real gross and it's really like it feels like the film is accidentally probably yeah. but still effectively uh, illustrating like what are the dangers of this persona yeah 
it's like uh, this film is predicting soft boys <laughs> in 1991. Yeah, uh, I think from, from like watching some of some of the films that, that like um, uh, some of the other films that Ed Solomon has written, uh, I think it is. I think it's almost definitely accidental. But like the way that women are treated in the Now You See Me movies, which he wrote, are uh, and so Evil Bill and Evil Ted uh, uh, arrive on Earth. Uh, in the phone box and meet real Bill and Ted. Yeah. And this is our big scene of split screen. This is our parent trap, which also underlines how much Keanu and Alex Winter are doing noticeably different performances. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I, personally, <laughs> I, I don't know what other films come out in 1991, but like, I don't know why these two uh, didn't get a, a bit, bit, best actor nomination. <laughs> Um, I mean, I feel like they worried that running um, Keanu Reeves as Ted and Keanu Reeves as Evil Ted and Alex Winter... Evil Robot Ted. Evil Robot Ted and Alex Winter as as Bill and Evil Robot Bill... Um, as four of the five nominees for best actor in a motion picture would split the vote and it would go to, fuck, I don't know, Morgan Freeman, I think. Oh, pr- probably. Driving Miss Daisy that year. It was around yeah, then. It was around then, I think. That was around then, or maybe it was Thelma and Louise's year. Um, Thelma and Wheezy, sorry. Um, well, my favourite movie about a flying car. <laughs> <laughs> well, it gives a cracking joke, Finn. <laughs> Uh, oh, no, okay. e- e- evil Robot Bill, Evil Robot Ted. They, they meet the regular version of Bill and Ted. I, j- I just yep. want to take a moment oh, yeah, sure. and say that uh, earlier this week I watched Magic Mike XXL. <laughs> this is going somewhere. Are we going back to Recommendation Corner? <laughs> no, no, I mean, uh, yeah, Magic Mike XXL. It's great. Um, but I was watching that film, and that's a film where within the first 20 minutes you've had like a hard conversation about capitalism and Channing Tatum uh angrily be like i'm not gonna dance again and then he gets alone and he's doing woodwork and pony comes on and he can't stop himself dancing and i was watching and in that moment in my brain was like this may not be my favorite film but this film contains every element i want to see in a film and i was wrong about that because the moment because the moment we learn that evil bill and evil ted are robots is that they pull their <laughs> skin to reveal circuits underneath yeah, both it, on their head and their stomach yeah it's it's like a mission impossible mask reveal except their robots underneath and, and oh and more grotesque than that yeah like it's this is it's the first of some like startling images the reason i because i loved excellent adventure mm. as a kid when i was like six seven eight but my parents decided Bogus Journey was too frightening for me. And they were absolutely right. There yeah, are like, things in this there, film that... There's it, still stuff which is, like, kind of scary. Well, yeah, it, it has a great sense, like, amongst... We keep talking about the art team, but we should... But, like, there is... They've got a real nice sense of the uncanny, of yeah. what makes uh, an image and, like, how they shoot it. There's, like, some, some great stuff when, when, when Bill and Ted are in hell later on. There's, yeah. like, a bunch of rooms that are all d- designed to look like, like... Um, uh, the, the designs are all influenced by, like, German Expressionism. Yeah. And they're, they're just, like, off in a really weird way, but they're still, like, really nice to look at. And they're just, like... And there's just like a lot of weird stuff happening in these in these rooms. Yeah, and it's and good. and this and like the step that Excellent Adventure makes that bogus no that bogus journey makes that Excellent Adventure didn't is being yeah is deciding to be a cartoon. Yeah, uh, and that it very quickly is like this is not naturalism, <laughs> and it gives itself so much freedom to go so kind of crazy. But anyway, so uh, first thing Aunt Bill and Ted do 
evil Bill and Ted, evil robot Bill and yes, Ted, is that they you. call Bill and Ted um, Terminator style, mimicking the voices of their girlfriends, yep. their now fiancés, and saying, actually, we've decided we don't like you. Because um, you're, you're losers and we're breaking up with you. Um, and this is a moment where I just want to stress, like Bill and Ted are upset about this. And they're like, really, what did we do? But mm. but because they're nice guys, they are sad, but they accept that decision. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Uh, we, 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 when we say like nice guys, we mean actually nice guys. Yeah, yeah, nice humans. Yeah, uh, uh, good well, people. Oh, fuck, I hate that we just can't say nice guys <laughs> yeah. anymore. Um, or night skies, that's what we'll call them. Good nice guys. <laughs> Actual nice guys are night skies. Um, so these... These two wonderful nights, guys. Uh, and then um, they're watching an episode of Star Trek. And, you know, because they're watching an episode of Star Trek, it has to be fucking arena yep. with Kirk improvising with the fucking, the fucking gun. gun. And I'm like, I get it. And it's like, yeah, iconic. I know. I've seen that episode of Mythbusters where they try and recreate that cannon. <laughs> uh, they, it's, it doesn't really work that well. And just everything they did, else. It did, like, Jamie and Adam didn't even bother with that one. They left that to, to the other people. Oh, yeah. Rip mm-hmm. Grant and Mahara, by the way. Yeah. Cool dude. Um, and uh, then Bill and Ted, evil robot Bill and Ted turn up and say, we're you from the future, which is a gag uh, from, which is referring to the last film. Uh, so you got to come with us and drives them out into the desert, which is the same desert they shot that Star Trek episode yeah. in. So it's actually and, and, a good and joke. And you, you're slightly more forgiving of it. I, I, there are several other episodes that are on that precise location, <laughs> right. as well as several Twilight Zone episodes. And I'm just saying like, Let's not, if you want to talk about that specific area yeah. of California, this 200 meters that I now know very well, why not go with um, I Shot an Arrow into the Sky, which is a good first season episode of The Twilight Zone. Okay. Is that uh, episode of Twilight Zone like an, an instantly recognizable piece of pop culture? Um, No. Yeah. No, it's fucking uh, not, Yuva. Uh, so it's only fucking glasses breaking in the fucking library for you. Is that the Twilight? That When you think of The Twilight oh, Zone. No, I just like the one where, where William Shatner is freaking out on a plane. Uh, yeah, I do love... <laughs> Or there's also that one where, like... John Lithgow freaks out on a plane? No, there's, like, the one where, like, there's an old woman and there's, like, a man outside a house who's, like, yeah. being shot and she brings him inside and it turns out, like, he's the devil or whatever. He's, like, deaf at yeah. the end. Yeah, that's a good one. Who plays Ben on Parks and Rec? What's his real name? Uh, Adam Scott? Yeah. Or when Adam Scott freaks out on a plane? <laughs> um, I'm going to cut you out of that. I'm going to sound so smart. Um... <laughs> You're just going to sound smart because you remembered Adam Scott's name. Well, and because they've remade that episode. Yeah, of, yeah, of the, yeah. And that, fuck, I should, it's someone like Adam Baldwin is in the radio adaptation. Yeah, it seems like someone here too. Yeah, no, he's in a lot of them, uh, which are all on the Blu-rays, which are very good. All right. Twilight Zone Blu-rays. All right. Um, so... <laughs> uh, and they go up to the top of this thing and evil... Bill and Ted uh, push them over the edge. Yeah, well, j- j- so j- 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 just before that, like, like regular Bill and Ted are like accepting their, their death. Yeah, and, and in a quite zen-like yeah, way. Yeah, they're, they're, they're both like talking to each other, like, 
you know, hey, uh, Bill, you know, I, I, I just love you. You know, yeah. we're, we're going to die. Love you. And yeah, they're both saying that to each other. And then in a, a, a callback to the first movie, which yeah. is one of the two jokes in the movie that I don't like, although I think it, it's better here than in the first one because it's the villain saying it mm-hmm. uh, as uh, as uh, Robert Bill and Robert Ted. Uh, sorry, evil robot Bill and evil robot Ted. As as they, they push regular Bill and regular Ted off of the cliff, that they, uh, they, they uh, uh, shout a particular uh, homophobic slur. Yeah. Um, and I am not pro-censorship, but I don't understand why when everything else about that fi- this film is going for you, that that, and it sticks out like a sore thumb now, which really, unfortunately, it wouldn't do at the time because, of, of course, uh, it's happening... Uh, making that joke at the height of the AIDS crisis. Yeah. Uh, well, boy, this is like another like like thing that, that happens in like Ed Solomon written movies. Like, yeah. In, in both of the uh, Now You See Me movies, in the first one, there is a bit with like some some uh, some transphobic humor where Woody Harrelson uses the T slur. And then there's a bit in the second one where Jesse Eisenberg is mistaken for gay, and that's uh, supposed to be hilarious. And it's not. No. And I just think you could just chop that joke out, and then I could. You know, like I don't, yeah, I don't, I hate that I'm in the position where I have to be like, I genuinely, full heartedly want anyone within the sound of my voice to watch Bill and Ted's Bogus mm. Journey. And like, Excellent Adventure is good too, but Bogus Journey is incredible, is, 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 is a real good time. <laughs> yeah. And like, we are, this is not one of those film pod, this is not Doug Loves Movies. We both watched this film sober <laughs> on an empty stomach. <laughs> we just had a sincerely good time. Yeah. Um, I, I, I saw like, I saw Bogus Journey for the first time like, last year. Yeah. I, I watched both of those movies for, for the first time. And I, I like both of them well enough. But like seeing seeing Bogus Journey again tonight, like I, I upgraded this from like a three and a half star movie to a four and a half star movie. Yeah, and I want to know if this is a four and a half star movie, what does it need to do to be a five star movie? There's just some like clicks when I know something is a four yeah. or five, a four and a half or five star. So but what like, are your five star films? There's like obvious ones that everyone has, like oh, like, oh, Twelve Angry Men and you know Rashomon or whatever. But like one ones that are more like. Me, five-star films. Thin. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, obviously, Green Room. Yeah. Um, uh, my favorite movie of all time. Huh, I did not see that coming. Well, because there's Nazis in that movie. Yeah. And you know what happens to them? They get fucking murdered. Because... Can't negotiate with Nazis. We nope. fought a war about it. But, but you can hit them with machetes. Yeah. Some other ones would be Stop Making Sense. Oh, yeah, uh, uh, that's good. Yeah, it's... Uh, the Boots Riley film, Sorry to Bother You. Okay. but So Bill and Ted uh, <laughs> die, and they're faced with death, and now this death, damn looker. Head yep. to toe in black, no hair, white skin. This is the style inspiration I've been looking for, <laughs> for hence my intro. <laughs> In conclusion, it was a good intro. Your your intro from, what, three hours ago? (laughs) Hey, let's be fair. (laughs) Oh, no. Guess. Guess how long we've Uh, been recording. 2.45. Oh, no, 2.13. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think for the listeners, we've just hit 1.45. I I hope that's true. So Bill and Ted die. They, they, They die. They're ghosts now. Yep. And... One of the things I like a lot is when they're dead, the like the whole like tone of the colours changes. Yeah. And 
I think I think it's, it's a fun, not, 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 oh, yeah, not, no, nice it, little touch. Yes, they've the, got sort of like, all, all the color is sort of like drain, drained out of the world. Yeah, they go they go a bit blue. Yeah, um, and so of course the first thing they're going to do is uh, Ted's dad is a cop. Well, also first of all, like De- De- Def comes to him and he's oh, like, yeah. "You guys have got to come with me." And they they go, uh, they, they you know step away for a second. They they, they, they talk about, you know, oh, how are we going to get away from death? And uh, uh, they, they come up with the, uh, uh, I'll say, the, the, the single most uh, genius battle plan of all time. Is that they walk up to death and they tell him, your shoe's untied. And when he looks down, they both go behind him and uh, give him a wedgie. <laughs> yep. Uh, which is referred to repeatedly for the movie as a Melvin. I'm not entirely sure why. Yeah, I'm worried about Googling that. Also, when I, when I was looking through the, the Wikipedia page of, of Bogus Journey last night, just in preparation for, re- for re-watching it, yeah. when I got to the word Melvin in the plot section, that was in quotes but also hyperlinked. Yeah. So like, I, I think we, we could find out what it means. They wedgie death, and then they decide they have to like let people know about the fact that they've been murdered and taken over by robots. Because that is uh, very important. They go, uh, uh, they go back into, they go back into San Dimas, and first of all, they go to. I think it's Keanu's dad because Keanu's one who possesses yeah. him. Uh, and Keanu possesses him, so we get to see an old man talking like, but talking like Ted, yeah, uh, and talking it's... to his invisible ghost friend, <laughs> and uh, it's absolutely <laughs> charming and wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's uh, one, one, one which... of like a, a lot of the jokes in this movie could be very irritating in almost any other movie. Um, but like the, the whole thing, like, oh, there's there's an old guy who's talking like he's a young guy, like that could be shit. Well, and because the thing he stresses is the enthusiasm, yeah, and like joy de vivre and that's what's uh so silly about it um and so that obviously doesn't work out possessing someone's body and going oh we die come save us um and so luckily missy who is bill's bill's stepmother yeah um, and the first movie was ted's stepmother oh it's changed yeah whose stepmother was she in the first movie she, she 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 was Bill's yeah she was Bill's stepmother in the first movie yeah yeah, yeah and now now she's Ted's stepmother um and uh it's established that she is uh oh, like two years older than them yeah and it I mean it's an okay I don't know I I liked in the first film when the joke is uh old man marries young woman and now the joke being like young woman marries lots of old men yeah. Kind of puts the laugh on her. I don't love that, but she's having a seance as you do. Yeah. Uh, um, just, 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 just a nice midday suburban <laughs> seance. Uh, and of course, uh, Bill and Ted try and commune, uh, and Missy immediately thinks they're evil spirits. Yeah, because she she knows all about the dark arts, and so she she takes out her book no, called like no. How to Dispel Evil Spirits or something. Look, Finn, I've had it with your dissembling. <laughs> She doesn't take it out. Oh, it she is, already has it on the table. On the table it's under already. her other books about seances. When you're getting ready for a seance, you get your standard stuff, you burn your sage, etc. Get yeah. out your and it's like it's literally called like instructions on how to ward off evil spirits. Yeah. Um, and so they are sucked into the book and sent to hell. Yeah. Um, Bill and Ted go to hell. There, there, there's there's some uh, there's some real good like early nineties so like uh, lightning special effects. Yeah, which. Uh, yeah, no, it's great. And and I'm sure it is nostalgia speaking. 
but look good. Yeah. Like it's there's a lot of like kind of weird, very proto CG in this film that is not yet in that weird kind of like PlayStation era where you're like, oh, you're trying to be good, but you're not. Yeah. You're just trying to express something yeah, strange. Like, the, 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 this film is, is like such a cartoon that when when the CG stuff looks bad, yeah. you're just like, yeah, that, 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 like. This whole thing looks weird, and so I'm totally okay with it. Um, And so they end up in uh, hell, uh, and uh, which is a labyrinth uh, of all the different hells, right? First of all, like when you when you come into hell, of course you land on a giant uh, floating rock, which is attached to a chain over a pit of lava, and uh, they're going to like take it into like a big like fire breathing mouth. Yeah, who is supposed to be the devil, right? Well, no, that's just like a mechanical. Mouth. And then the guy up above is the devil. Oh, they, that's right. They, yes. they like escape and they go and talk to the devil, and um, who's a giant, quite impressive monster suit. Yeah, which I wanted to see more of, but he's in like three shots. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and and he they're like, hey man, we just want to go, and he's yeah. like, yeah, you can go. And when he pulls a leave, them is trapped on in them, and they yeah. fall down into hell. Um, and yeah, hell is a labyrinth. Yeah, it's a real cool labyrinth. Like the, the ceiling is just like slightly too low. And there's just All like the perspective is just slightly off. The horizon yeah. is is in a place where you don't think it is. There's a bit of subtle dutching. This is where, um, for a lot of the time that it's in hell, the film is on really wide lenses, mm-hmm. so everything is slightly distorted, and so they and there are all these doors, and you go through, and there's a different vision of hell, um, in each one. Yeah, and and and, and one of them, uh, Bill, Bill's dad is there, and he makes them do infinity push-ups. <laughs> Um, there's one where we're doing the push-ups like after a few Bill just like turns Bill just turns his head like Ted I don't think I can do infinity push-ups and you know this is a uh, he's as a drill sergeant and every time there's a drill sergeant on screen my brain goes better be Ali Ermi yep uh, it almost never is. It almost never. Well, it is in Full Metal Jacket yep. and The Frighteners, <laughs> um, the two good films. Yeah, I'm willing to say it. The two good films yeah, and uh, Beetlejuice and Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh yeah, please let's use its full name. Mission, Mission Impossible Impl- Fallout of a Helicopter. No, sorry, it's <laughs> Mission Colon Impossible Hyphen Fallout of a Helicopter. I think and then climb back into joke. it. Yeah. Oh, 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 I mean, Tom Cruise is the new David Miscavige. He's a very bad man with a dark heart, but him on that fucking helicopter is pure cinema, there, there's, right? There's one, there's one bit I really love in the helicopter sequence. I mean, no, it's all, it's all great. But there's one, there's one moment in particular where like he, he's, he's climbing up. He's just like, he's just underneath it and it's blow. The uh, wind is like blowing his hair and his hair just looks like shit. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, no other action movie star would let their hair look this bad. Yeah. Pure cinema. Um, and in one, Bill has to face his grandmother, um, who is Alex Winter in, in like terrifying evil grandma makeup. Well, and what I liked about this genuinely unsettling makeup is that it's immediately clearly monstrous. Yeah. And it's monstrous in a way that is unsettling without the gag being, oh, look, she's just so old. Yeah. Like, it's not, it feels like they're not mocking age. <laughs> 
it is the fear of a child. Yeah, it is like he, yeah. he, he is in like a nightmare hell world, and it is, it's oh. a, a child's yeah, it's a child's nightmare about their about their grandmother. And then, then we go into Ted's uh, hell, where he is also in like a weird uh, cabin of oh, Dr. Yeah, Caligari and, house, and, and they are children uh, yeah, at this yeah. point. They're and he, children. Uh, he, he's walking from his house and he finds like a basket of Easter eggs and he starts eating them and then the Easter bunny comes out yeah. and starts threatening him. Um, and that Easter bunny's mouth movements are incredibly good CGI for 1991. Like, that, the whole film looks great, but but anyway... I can't remember how they got out of hell. They both get out of those rooms. I mean, they're being chased by the Easter Bunny and Bill's dad mm. and the grandmother. And then they decide, they realize, oh, the only way out of here is to like uh, call up Death. That's right. And so they they, they call they they summon Death, and he uh, takes them away. And he's like, okay, you guys ready to die now? And be like, no, we still want our we still want our game with you. Yeah. And 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 then it comes to him playing uh, playing Battleship. Yeah. Uh, and, and they beat him at Battleship, <laughs> uh, which is like. Oh, I don't know. Like the best possible joke you can make about the seventh seal yeah, is is beating uh, death at Battleship, and then him being like, "No, best three out of five And then they play Cluedo, and he loses. Yeah, and he's and- like, "No, best five out of seven Yeah, and then it comes to them playing Twister. <laughs> I mean, death. I mean, after Death loses Twister, then he's like, "Fine, I'll I'll, I'll do what you guys want." And I, and I think the biggest thing in this film that could really easily fail, like I think a thing that could really kill this film. It's because this, like this concept of death, where it's like death looks like death from the seventh seal, but he, he's just sort of like a goofy incompetent. Yeah, and, and which feels like it's undercutting it. But and I'm sure this is unintentional, but it kind of like the idea that like death is a friend to all of us, and like once you get to know him, he's cool or it, you know. Um, that just yeah. Uh, it's lovely and charming, and, and he becomes yeah. one of a great performance from William Sadler. Yeah, so they return to the to the earthly realm, and they watch evil robot Ted and evil robot oh, Bill. N- n- the bit where they see uh, evil robot Ted and evil robot Bill in the uh, That's before the séance. Okay, then my notes are out of order. Don't right. worry about it. Um, yeah. So, oh no, then it's about they go to heaven. Yeah. They want to get into heaven, so um, so, so they can go and talk to God. <laughs> of course, obviously, yeah. that's where you go. Um, yeah, no, this, is, is, this is like a goofy comedy movie that involves the, the heroes uh, going and having an audience with God. Yeah, they're milking every um, yeah. bit of uh, the premise yeah. a, a, in, a, in a way that never feels overly efficient mm-hmm. either. Like, uh, it's just charming. Uh, that they, they have to dress up in all white to get into to heaven, which involves dressing up death in a, in a white pinafore, uh, and then they have to awkwardly recite art to prove that they're <laughs> worthy to get into heaven in a scene that eats like 51% of the good place's <laughs> entire lunch. Um, uh, and, you know, they get into heaven, they see God, we don't see God. No, there's um, just a big, there's a big old staircase, and there's a light at the top of this, uh, and a voice. Yeah, yeah. They talk to God, and they basically tell him like, we have to be alive again, and we we have to um, find some way uh, to uh, to defeat Evil Robot Bill and Evil Robot Ted and save our girlfriends. And God just sends them down, pretty much. Well, right? he he gives them um like uh, he gives them uh, like a sort of like heaven map, and that leads them to station. That's right, because they uh, they know that they on Bill and Ted know that on their own they're not able yeah. to uh, defeat Evil Robot Bill and Evil Robot Ted, uh, and so they're told to meet Station, 
who is the greatest inventor in the universe. Yeah, it, uh, and it's uh, the greatest inventor in the universe. And of course, there are two Martians yeah. played in Jim Henson-style puppets. And they're just charming. They're two charming dudes. Yeah, just... Dudes? Played by a man. Yeah. They, they have a man's voice. They all return to Earth. They go to Home Depot. Yeah, because they're going to get materials for the station to build uh, some robots. Yeah, and this is this is when we learn that the plan is is that they're going to build good <laughs> Yeah, because the, the only way to defeat but, evil robots is with good robots. And like, yeah, absolutely. And this yeah. is... And, and, and that, that, that's, that's why I support the NRA. Well... <laughs> the National Robot Association. <laughs> yeah. the, um, the only way to... You'd be like, what is a bad guy for a robot? What is a good guy for a robot? <laughs> um, and, and it is just, it speaks to like the 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 inspiration and casual flow of this film and, and its understanding of the genre that it's in, that it just is like, oh yeah, we're just going to build robots. And you're just like, as an audience member, you're like, oh, obviously, <laughs> like, duh. Um, and, and at this point, uh, to start building the robots, Station does a fusion dance yep. uh, from Dragon Ball Z, and the 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 two little uh, stations uh, turn into one big station. Yeah, uh, who then makes Bill and Ted robots. Yeah, and the the thing I love about this is that they don't look like the evil Bill and Ted robots. They're just like they're just played by yeah. Keanu and Alex. They, they, these like look like robots. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, but they, they have the personality. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, 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 they look like they look like actual robot versions of of Bill and Ted. You know, look up a picture of them. They're, 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 they're a delight. Oh no, it'll be it's the picture behind our logo. It's those two robots. <laughs> okay. Uh, so just look at your podcatcher. Um, those dudes aren't they cool? Um, and, and they go to the battle of the bands where evil B- robot Bill and evil robot Ted are like. Uh, we're going to do our show, and by the way, Pam Greer, our teacher, we are going to murder our girlfriends at the end of the song. And Pam Greer is like, yes, <laughs> continue. Like, uh, it, it, it seems like she thinks they're joking when they say that. But, but, uh, but then it immediately cuts to uh, the, two, the two girlfriends like hanging from the rafters, and, like, like tied up with ropes. And it feels like they, they're quite visible. And it is yeah, but like not not everyone looks up all the time. Dogs, for instance, yeah, can't look me, up. Me, you don't look up. I try not to because like that, that leaves my throat open to karate chops. <laughs> Finn, <laughs> yes. I just want to pause the podcast for a tick. I think you should take more time to engage <laughs> with nature. I think, like, obviously, we've all got our different coping strategies, but like the freedom and release. Of just being outside, just looking at the sky and thinking, what if I fell? What if I just fell into that sky? Like gravity. Well, so here, here, here's, here's the thing: I, I do look up sometimes, but yeah. but before I do it, I, I sort of like I sort of like act like I'm thinking really hard, <laughs> and then I can look up, but I've still got my throat defended. Oh, um, for everyone playing along at home, um, Finn just. But when he's thinking, he has his fist on his chin. Yeah, because that, that's how you think. Yeah. Uh, well, or, as I pronounce it, think. <laughs> I mean. Which I, I have to get ahead of it so that no one fucking emails in like, eh, Finn can't pronounce words. I fucking know. Thanks, Joseph Fink. I, I have uh, multiple speech impediments. That's <laughs> yeah, fine. Yeah. And, you know, listening Here's back. me doing a podcast. And listening back to episodes as we edit them, it does seem 
like a lot of the time, I'm bullying you about them. Yeah, and about other things. <laughs> oh, I'm happy to. Bu- I want to bully you about choices you make. Yeah, no, fair. I don't want to. I don't want to bully you about. Them. I'm happy to yell at you about your goddamn pizza dough. <laughs> And I just like there. There is. No, I, I've been making homemade sushi for the last few nights. I don't know. There's just something. Uh, Finn gets very flustered, as you may notice, and there's just something wonderful <laughs> about pushing him as he's as he's flustered, like uh, putting your foot on a drowning person's head. <laughs> yes. Um, and so uh, Bill and Ted arrive with Robo Bill and good robot bell good, good robot and good robot, robot ted. ted uh and confront evil robot bell and evil robot ted and uh use their robots to punch their heads off <laughs> yeah. and then oh, uh, like when when uh it's like um it's like ju- just as uh, uh evil robot bill and evil robot ted are about to start uh playing their song uh regular bill and regular ted they like come out and say like no you're not wild stallions we're wild stallions i mean there's a bit of a like an argument back and forth and then uh and, and then like uh regular bill and regular ted like they they introduce the uh the good robots uh, by like, getting out these like big, <laughs> oh, yes. these like big uh, robot controllers yeah. and pushing like the forward button, and you see a wall behind them explode, and the two robots come running through the wall, and they just run, and they just run right to the evil robots and punch their heads off. Uh, and at this point, I said I'm a little disappointed there wasn't a proper fight. And then before you could finish that thought, <laughs> there was a cut back to the good robots, and they just punched the evil robots in the stomach, and their stomachs exploded, and the whole of them explode. And th- like this is the moment I'm specifically thinking of when I say that, like Magic Mike XXL, like Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey may not be my favorite film but it contains everything I yeah. want in a film. And two robots <laughs> jumping through a brick wall and before punching other robots' heads off is like all I wish you could have in that is one of them also punching a bowling ball out of the air. Yeah. Um, if it, it would be a perfect scene. And, and then um, the the other villain the, turns up and is like, ha-ha, I'm actually evil, and yeah, turns he, up he's in the phone box. Like, yeah, he's doing some boring evil stuff. Um, and then... Uh, uh, he has a gun on Bill and Ted, and he's like pushed the buttons over like all the satellites in the world are broadcasting, um, the, uh, broadcasting yep. this. Um, and, and for about three minutes, the episode turns into the Stephen Moffat era of Doctor Who, yeah, including we, global broadcasts we, we, in many languages. Just, yeah, and then there, there was um, one of the, the funniest sequences in the movie where, where Bill and Ted are like, "How are we going to get out of this? He's got a gun on us. There's nothing. There's nothing we can do." Yeah, and then. And Bill's like, well, what if after we defeat him, yeah. we go back in time and we and we, we like rig up this whole room so we're like <laughs> so that we can defeat him now? Yeah. And and Tiz like, oh yeah, great idea. Yeah. Uh, what, 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 what would we do in the future yeah. to to solve it? And he's like, we probably put a sandbag on the ceiling. I mean, it cuts to a sandbag on the ceiling just and, over his head. And, and there are several rounds of this yeah. from both the there's, good guys and the bad yeah, guys. The, 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 the sandbag snaps and falls down, and then they're like, oh, we'd probably have a cage as well, and the cage falls down, yeah. and then he gets up and he says, oh, well, when I defeat you, I'll go back in time, and I'll give myself a key to this cage, and he pulls out a key, and he gets out of the cage, and, he's a, and I'll give myself another gun, and then another gun appears <laughs> in his hand. And then he goes to shoot them, and a flag pops out of a gun and says wild stallions rule and like i want to point out that this sequence of events is literally a joke from stephen moffat doctor who 
but it's a joke from Stephen Moffat Doctor Who that was not made for eight more years. And is it? The flag pops out of the government says Wild Stallions rule, and then Bill and Ted have the like big reveal where they're like, here's like here's here's the thing. Like only the people who win can go back in time. So like so like we gave you the key and we gave you that gun in the future. <laughs> um, I mean he's like taken away in handcuffs by by Ted's dad. Um to and we later learn he marries Missy. Yeah. Um that's in the headline sequence. And then of course what is left at a battle of the bands but to have Bill Ted, good robot Bill, good robot Ted, death both stations uh, and of course uh, Pam Greer rips off a skin suit to reveal that she's been George Carlin the whole time and then the film ends and well, well, well so then like then like the Wild Stallions song starts proper yeah and you got like like some big guitar solos were like written and performed by Steve Vai and so you just got like a couple minutes of like of just like ridiculous guitar solos. I mean that segues into a, a cover of Kisses God Gave Rock and Roll to <laughs> yeah. You over, over the credits, um, and it's uh, uh, one of the most satisfying conclusions to any movie. <laughs> it is just, you know, I rewatched Speed Racer. Oh, no, sorry, we've got another really good part of this, <laughs> oh, yeah. which is um, just before they they start their song, they have a discussion. We're like, but oh, yeah. we're still bad musicians. What are we going to do? And so, uh, I think it's Ted's like, oh, I know what we're going to do. And so, uh, so Bill and Ted and uh, uh, um, uh, Joanna and Elizabeth feel yeah. into the time machine, and they go off and they come back. And when when we come back, they all have facial hair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like Ted, Ted's got like a, a Van Dyke and a goatee. I would call it. He, uh, he's come back as John Wick. Yeah, um, and and Alex Winter comes back with, with, the, with the, top yeah, beard. the beard of ZZ Top, and um, and uh, and uh, it, it, you find out they've been away for sixteen months of intensely of intense guitar practice, which is like that is a, another reason to love Bill and Ted. Yeah. The solution to their problem that they're not very good isn't to like do a stunt or something yeah it's to go and learn oh, i love them and, so and much and you find out like in in that time um b- 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 both of their uh, girlfriends now wives have have yeah. uh, uh, have, uh, have given birth to kids yeah. and, um, and bill and ted rich carry around their, their infant children in, in like uh, baby backpacks and, and they have <laughs> named their kids after each other yeah. it's baby bill and baby ted which <laughs> feels like so yeah i watched speed racer again earlier this week because it was national speed racer day international yep. speed racer day i hope you'll watch too um and once again it's uh incredible we've mm. discussed it before but uh, a shot i'd never really noticed before is that there's a bit where roger allen who's the the villain eats uh and like if you have not seen speed racer <laughs> roger allen is like the most villain a villain has ever yeah, been. Yeah. Um, and there's a shot where uh, he's eating pancakes yeah. and it is the perfect shot of the villain of Speed Racer <laughs> eating pancakes. Like he shuts his eyes and then this evil smirk just evolves over his face. It's beautiful and it's precise. Like the only way to describe it is, is it is the only way that, the villain of Speed Racer could eat pancakes. Yeah, and, and, and then he says, pancakes are love in Dutch. <laughs> um, and it's, then, oh, so good. And then he... And, like, with that, like, that set of endings, starting with, like, the robots punching the heads off, then the Pam Greer as George Carlin yeah. reveal, then the, the timey wimey to the babies, to them all singing the song together... 
is exactly the platonic ideal of how a Bill and Ted film should end. Yeah. Like, you know, when when sculptors say that they don't design anything, they just reveal what is in the marble? Yeah. Like, that is what you chip away, is to build that <laughs> moment of just, just unironic sincerity. And then the credits roll, and the final thing in the credits is be excellent to each other and party on. Yeah. Which... But also, like, over credits, there's all the, the different, like, New, uh, New Zealand's, and all of them are funny. Yeah. There's, like, it, like it'd be, again, it'd be, it'd be so easy for those jokes not to land, or for them to just, like, like, yeah. like, like think of, like, the, the wrong jokes to make. But, like, no, every single one of the jokes in the credits is funny and good. Um, and, yeah, no, there is, like, uh, uh, just, you know, by the fact that we've only been discussing this film for, I think, an hour and 20 minutes, yep. um, uh, a thing that's worth emphasizing is just how many jokes there are in this film. Yeah. And how, you know, there's a good joke every 30 seconds. Um, there's something to chuckle at all the time. There, There is, uh, what is, why, <laughs> um, when evil robot Bill no, evil robot Ted looks at a photo of the princesses. He says, I got a full on robot chubby. <laughs> um, and it's just incredible. So Finland, Nicholasmas. Yes. Bill and Ted's journey. Later, Bill and Ted's <laughs> bogus journey. Shite or sound. I mean, this 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 movie is sound as hell. Oh, uh, I think that this is so this, this is going sound. into like one of my favorite comedies of all time. I... I'm so worried that in like three to six months I will watch it again and it will be bad and it will be like what happened to us today will be lost like tears and rain, mm. you know? Um, yeah, man, it's so sound. It's so it's so fucking funny. It, like like oh, like obviously like everyone knows that Keanu is great and he's yeah. gone on to do a whole bunch of other great stuff. Yeah, but like. He's so he's so fucking funny, well, and Alex Winter is so funny. Yeah, like I th- like Alex Winter has obviously had a career doing other things, mm-hmm. but it, it does feel. I yeah, I wonder if he chose not to act because it doesn't. Why wouldn't he? You yeah. know. Um, look at him. He's a star. They're all stars, and like, but also everyone, like all the people who come in, like the guy who comes in to be, um, like Einstein at the beginning of <laughs> one line, you know, and it just has a sense of like warmth and fun to it. Yeah, that. Go watch it. Is there anything else we should say? Uh, by the time you're listening to this, uh, we'll be oh, probably there's a live season of my other podcast, The Witching Hours, happening at Bats Theatre in Halloween week. Please go to that and also uh, look at The Witching Hours because we'll be putting up old episodes by the time you're listening to this. Uh, my name, I'm I'm Yutha Dean. You can find me online wherever is. Yutha Lives, U-T-H-E-R-L-I-V-E-S. Where can people find you, Finn Nicholas? Uh, um, I'm, I'm hoping that by the time this episode comes out, I will afford a bit of Twitter handle, uh, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, what are you, you, what are you be, currently working oh, on? I have no idea. Have you considered Finn Nicholas, but with one N? No, that makes me uncomfortable. I'm not entirely sure why, but it just does. Uh, Unco- like, what kind, uh, can you describe for me the feeling of uncomfortability? How does it hurt? I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Just... Hey, I want you to know at home that he genuinely <laughs> engaged with that question, and I don't feel at all disrespected. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs>
<laughs> oh my god. Um, <laughs> you, uh, you, you, you can find this podcast on Twitter at ShiteSoundPod. You can email us at uh, um, uh, ShiteSoundPod at gmail.com. Check out our website at ShiteAndSound.com. Uh, our, our theme music um, our theme music is called The Nux by Kazam Plan. <laughs> yeah, you can find them on Bandcamp. Yeah, that's everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I've got to do our final catchphrase yeah. then. Hey, everyone, remember, film's good, even when bad. <laughs> Bye! <laughs>